What? No. All right, we are rolling. Uh-oh. This is episode 107, the Creative Writing Man. Motorcycle Podcast. We're back again, co-host and I, brought to you by Vance and Hines, Speed Merchant, and uh, FTW Co. It's uh, Chris Wiggins. Rock- I like how you just rotate through sponsors. Yeah, <laughs> it's whatever you're wearing. Oh, okay. <laughs> and brought to you by the Morro Bay Skateboard Museum. I'm your faithful host and producer, Junkie Turdman. Co-host Chris. Co-host Chris in the Hi-Yos. Let's roll this music, dog. Now you have to have the hip-hop on. Do you have that ready? Are you queued up? I'm not. <laughs> All right. Hey, let's... Here we go for reals this time. <laughs> Good grief! All right, we're we're here. We had a little technical setup there that I probably could have done about half an hour ago. Uh, That's okay. Yeah. So hey, welcome to episode one hundred and seven. We got, like I said, Wham and Wiggins over there. I'm your faithful host, Junkie Turdman. Thank you for all the shout outs, and they pronounced my name right on a uh, Wingman's Garage. Yours too, <laughs> Chris Wiggins and Junkie Turdman. They said. <laughs> So that's great. Uh, hey, I wanted to give a big shout out and thanks to everybody uh, for the four point five stars that we have now in iTunes. That's pretty cool. Really, that must be out of like at least ten. Yeah. Okay. No, we've got twelve reviews now. So oh, at first sweet. it was just like a one bad one, and uh, <laughs> like two good ones, and now we got twelve. So people are really listening to the show, and stuff is starting to add up, and it's really cool. Um, we almost have a free month of audio hosting because of all the sales of mugs. So I just need to do that for 12 more months and uh, we'll have it made. And uh, so I'd like to say, hey, hey, thanks to everybody that's been sending photos. I know Nitrous Chris and Lance and and Bri Viffer and all those guys sent me pics of themselves drinking out of the mugs. I think Lance did, but yeah, a lot of people uh, enjoying the mugs and the sales are racking up, dude. I'm almost at 20 bucks. <laughs> so... You Radical. sold like 500 mugs then. I know. That's what I'm thinking. That's the thing. I was like, I don't know how I'm going to do this. Like, we only have 500 listeners, so everybody's done, and we almost got a free month of hosting. <laughs> but thank you so much uh, for reels. Uh, it, it means a lot to me that you guys have something, you know, that, that you can actually use. It's not like I'm kind of like weary of Patreon because I feel like I don't subscribe to a lot of shows just because even a buck, you know, like I, I don't know. I feel like we're worth it, but at the same time, I know everybody's subscribing to something, so it's a little bit hard. I guess we just got to step up and like, not worry if it's too hard or not. I'm scared if like I subscribe with some, I won't like I'll want to do it to a lot of them that I listen to. Yeah, and then you'll be broke. Cause it, you'll, yeah, yeah, and then it's like that one dollar <laughs> a month is now ten or yeah, twenty. Yeah, exactly. Like, that's just, what I'm saying. I, I know a lot of the guys. I hear their names shouted out on other shows that I know listen to us too, and it's like, dude, I don't. I don't want to just be another dollar that you're shilling out. Or like, is there like some competitiveness where it's like, if that guy listens to their show and our show and he's only going to subscribe to one, man, it's like, man, yeah, I, I would, I don't know if I would be disappointed if he subscribed to theirs and not ours or like how that would work. I would hate for people to have to pay to listen to this, to be honest, but our stuff is really good. So I don't know. Anyways, thanks for the mugs purchases. And I'm glad that you guys have something and we have something too. Uh, listener input. We've had a lot of emails. A lot of people want to get roasted. Um, and we've had the emails pour in. So I probably will end up making an email just for 
uh, Ask Wiggins and ask and you know roast my bike. You can like hit us up on any of the pages and, and we'll see we'll see it or you can email the show. But uh, we're definitely probably going to make it Ask Wiggins if uh, the next couple shows we have some good stuff. So I wanted to say just thanks to you guys and thank you for all the input. Uh, I know Chris says thank you too. He sees it all. <laughs> I do. It's it's interesting. Now you, I'm like an admin on it or something, so I see it pop up. Yeah. So I, yeah, I know I know that you can see the stuff too. I, I was kind of kidding about that because <laughs> I didn't know if you really could see it. But if you can, hey, that's awesome. So thank you guys so much. And to be honest, like it's mind blowing, and I can't wait to. Uh, we're gonna get some Patreon stuff on here, but I I want to have something for you guys. Uh, in return for your hard-earned bucks, so I know if I was paying for something, I'd want somebody to give me something cool. So yeah, and maybe that like I like Wiggins will come give you a back rub or something. <laughs> <laughs> Only if your back's hairy. Um, <laughs> I like like Misfits. Like Emma has her little like specials that they do. Um, which, which yeah. honestly makes me want to subscribe. Yeah, I, they only do those on the history hole episode, right? I know, and I like she did a history hole that wasn't subscription, and I was just like, damn, I kind of want to subscribe. Mm-hmm. But I'm one of those people like I don't subscribe, but I kind of want to. So we'll see. But you're right. I feel like they, people shouldn't have to pay to listen to the show. But then on the flip side, we don't have paid advertisements. So yeah, here's what we here's what we could do because NPR doesn't either, but they do have a donate. So if you like that one time a year that you hate public radio, always asking you for your money and do this and that. We could do that. I know you guys hate it, so I know that you'd maybe pay us to stop and like shut up. But uh, maybe you would just quit listening to us. So we could either do that or we could do Patreon. We'll figure something out. In the meantime, just enjoy this for free and quit complaining about it being too free. <laughs> uh, or we will charge. If you or, complain, we're going to charge you. Yeah. So hey, maybe we, that's a good Patreon scheme. If yeah. you want to complain, yeah, you have to put a dollar in the Patreon, and oh then my you God. can complain. And then on Valentine's Day, if you pay a dollar, we'll say your loved one's name on the air. We'll do dedications <laughs> and stuff like that. It'll be good. Uh, we'll re- we'll read your love letters. You can you can write them and we'll read them. That'll be very romantic, right? It's like Gilbert Gottfried reading Fifty Shades of Grey. Um, so hey, speaking of Wiggins and the support and the Ask Wiggins stuff that you guys want to hear, we've already had a few people asking for their bike to be roasted, and I can't wait for this. I like I totally forgot that I said I would roast bikes. Yeah, and I felt bad when I started seeing it, and then I listened to the show, and I was like. I guess I did say I would. Yeah. And people are asking for it. Yeah. And you said they could ask about anything, like bottle of milk or, yeah. you know, whatever. Well, I think I said bottle of milk, but you I did. think you said anything. But I like whole milk. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Hey, ask him about uh, 2% and see what he says. Um, so, yeah, in the spirit of Ask Wiggins, that's the first segment we're going to get to tonight. And uh, we're, we already have actually one question that came in a little bit late, and I promised that I would... Uh, give it to you because it's a new listener to the show, a new subscriber actually to the Facebook page. And uh, his name is Nathan Williams. Sounds like Sherman Williams' uh, grandson. Wait, we're not roasting Nathan. We're just giving him a shout out here. He wa- he wanted to know how you got into flat track. I saw that one on the Facebook page and I wrote it down. Uh, I kind of got into flat track honestly by accident. So I was racing Supermoto and I started doing like Harley nights at Costa Mesa Speedway. And uh, Speedway bikes are the absolute craziest thing ever. So I got a Speedway bike, and I... You should see my brother's ex-wife. <laughs> okay, the craziest motorcycle ever. <laughs> like, 500 cc's on methanol, 14.5 to 1 compression, no brakes, 
they weigh 150 pounds. Right. Like versus 150 pound on 500 cc's of meth. Like, yeah. Yeah. It's kind of the same thing. <laughs> right. Like a 450 dirt bike is what, 250 pounds? And my motor was kind of a turd. It made like 50 horse on a chassis dyno. But you ride, so you ride them like wide open, super weird. No, like I said, no brakes. Like it's totally backwards from what you know. And then the Harley Knight stuff started to grow, and the the hooligan bikes basically came of like Sportsters are faster than my Dyna. Sportsters cheaper than my Dyna. So I'm gonna take it out to Harley Knight. And then I like I crashed it, so I cut the fender, and then we put different wheels on it and longer shocks on it, and it kind of turned into like a street tracker. And then as the Harley Knight slash hooligan stuff started to take off the headlight taillight came off the bike and it basically got dedicated into a flat track bike so i kind of accidentally got into flat track i tried it a long long time ago like when i lived in indiana my cousin rode flat track and was pretty decent i mean not like pro decent but just local decent and uh, i tried it and i sucked horribly like i I was bad i still suck i'm <laughs> I'm not very good. <laughs> but uh so yeah, it was like Speedway, Harley Knight, Hooligan stuff, and that kind of like I just ended up doing flat track because of the Hooligan flat track. So um yeah, accidentally, but that's how it happened. You know what would have been really accidentally was if you were riding down the street on your Harley <laughs> and you accidentally went off into this cornfield and there just happened to be a flat track and you just went kept You're going like, around. <laughs> I can't find the exit. <laughs> I forgot how to turn right. I'm just going. Just gonna keep going yeah. left, and then you get the trophy. It's just like a slapstick uh, movie. <laughs> just um, grab the trophy and ride off into the sunset. Yeah. Hey, I to piggyback off of this real quick before we get into the this week's real Ask Wiggins. Let's do three three prior <laughs> Ask Wiggins. Um, this is a follow up from last week. Um, Matt from My Motorbike Obsessions, which is actually a really good blog that I was looking at too. He oh, wrote right. he wrote in. It's he's the, the Oceanside one, guy, right? Yeah, he lives in Oceanside and he's been looking at, at some stuff. Um, and he said that he helped uh, with the getting started going around the round around, and it looks like a blast. He can't wait to give it a go. He's got line a line on a really cheap uh, old dirt bike that apparently runs, and he's going to let us know how it goes. Nice. But he still wants to get Hooligan Jesus's perspective on the matter. What are your ten commandments for flat tracking? Like number one, thou shall go fast and turn left. And then uh, he just signed up to take a flat track class with Eric Bostrom in Temecula later this month. So the Boston brothers. Uh, I wonder where they're doing that at, dude. Temecula, bro. Like Temecula is like where every motocross and supercross guy lives. So I'm sure they just yeah, got like it, a backyard is track. There a tra- yeah, it must be someone's like yeah. backyard track. There's so many backyard tracks in Temecula. Uh, my ten command. I don't even know if I have that many. So depending what kind of dirt bike you find, it'll be a pain. Like I think an old two stroke would be depending on how old, might be very difficult to figure out. If you find an old four-stroke, that's the way I would go. Like the motor braking so much better, the throttle's smoother, and thumpers just do well. Four-stroke. So the first commandment is... Uh, try to buy a four-stroke. Try to buy a four-stroke. <laughs> um, the old TT500s are great, but if you find... I mean, and if you find a dirt bike cheap, you know, whatever. Um, man, I think... I don't know. I Flat track to me is like, it's cool because it's, it's an old and a young man's sport. Like it's, it's physical and it's intense and it's fast. And obviously when you look at the pros and the kids, like the young people enjoy it, but it's also a sport where you can do it 
competitively into your 40s or 50s. Like, look at Kenny Coolbeth. Yeah, he's um, like 50 or 60. Yeah, he's getting all old. Uh, Greg Hancock is speedway, not flat track, but he's 45. And he's still top of his game on a world level. Um, I just watched Mad Dog McConnell on uh, Industry yeah. Racing, their, Dude, their live stream channel, and he's looks like i don't know how old he is but he looks like an older guy i didn't know he was a stunt man by the way he was for a while yeah mcconnell's he can still ride this shit on a speedway bike mm-hmm. so he's not level of hancock but he's also older and he actually never was that level anyway so don't get old is commandment yeah, number don't, two don't get old's a good one <laughs> uh i think a lot of it is maybe just try uh don't don't think it's like anything you've ever done before because it, it's a little bit different like you're steering the bike with the rear wheel. You're not, it's not what you're used to, you know, even, even flat track, having a rear brake, it's still going to be something that's different. Um, you know, learning to slide into the corner, slide through the corner and slide out of the corner, um, is definitely, it's different than what you're used to. Like, yeah, supermoto backs into the corner or, you know, there's a lot of modern sport bikers that are sliding the bike around and, Freddie Spencer back in the day used to slide both ends of the bike, but Freddie Spencer is not your average rider. <laughs> you I'm, I'm going to write number three as don't ride it like you stole it. Sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Right? Yeah. You know what? I have to say that I did it a couple times in like 2015 and maybe early 2016, and I kind of got okay. And then obviously when we went to Twisted Throttles, it had been like a whole year and I really felt like out of practice and like sketchy and I, yeah. I ate shit, but I wasn't even leaning over and I, I it just when felt, if, I was like. You hit a wet spot on it, which is what you did. You hit that wet spot on the back stretch. You hit a wet spot on a flat track and it's, yeah, you lose everything. But and even in practice, like I just, I felt as rusty as I probably looked yeah. out there. I, I didn't feel good. And, uh. And I think so practicing a lot, like he's, if he lives close enough to Paris or Riverside, go spend some laps if you really want to get competitive, you know? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's definitely a practice makes perfect. It's kind of a thing where the corners are so simple that that is what makes them complicated. Like you look at it and you're like, okay, there's four turns or depending how you are, there's two turns, right? It's, it's an in and an out on both ends of the track. And I think people like in its simplicity is what makes it complicated. Like it needs to be so perfect every time. Um, you know, you don't have 20 turns that are all different. So if you blow one, it's no big deal. Like you blow one, you're getting past. Yeah. So practice like you stole it. <laughs> <laughs> How about one more? That'll make five. Oh man. What would be a commandment for someone? Get the gear, get the shoe, get the, I mean, tear the bike down, like get minimal. What would be your best? Or get the right. Well, you said a four stroke, so that's what I. Let's I t- mean, let's talk hooligan four stroke. Uh, I mean, if you found a dirt bike, that's fine. Um, you know, if you want a hooligan bike, that's cool too. Um, I I won't I won't sit here and go. Oh, if you're gonna go flat tracking, hooligan racing is the way to go. Like I I honestly don't. I mean, it's cool if that's what you want to do, and I I think it's popular because people want to go hooligan racing and because sponsors and and people want to watch it you know but if that's not where you are if you just want to go flat tracking and you want kind of a better bike (laughs) i think that's like totally fine and i support that and i don't like um man i don't know i i would say try to get some kind of steel shoe and get comfortable putting your foot on the ground um and you know you put 
especially when you're first starting, put weight on that foot and get a feel for that foot down and, and kind of tripoding the bike. Yeah. And that would have saved me on that wet spot. I think if it, I had a shoe sometimes, sometimes it will, like I've tripoded through wet spots and it, it's scary, but you get through them sometimes. Yeah. And then at the same time with that one, um, as you get into it, learn to pick your foot up while the bike's still sliding. Yeah. Like you got to get that weight off your foot and onto the back tire. That's good. The five commandments. Uh, <laughs> I'll write them down. Maybe I'll put them in this week's show notes, but maybe we'll, we'll put a page up on uh, creative writing just for that. Um, so this week's real uh, Ask Wiggins comes to us from Lance Pear, who's also this week's Roast My Bike. <laughs> and uh, he wanted to know, he had kind of two questions. Hooligan for President 2020 platform. I made the shirt because he put the hashtag. <laughs> well, I didn't make the shirt. I made the design because he put the hashtag. And now it spawned off into something I think you really need to start considering, Chris, oh, is 2020. What platform are you going to run on? I don't think I could be worse than this guy. I mean, the last guy. I mean, one of the, I don't know. I don't think I could be worse than a lot of these guys. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I think the fact that who we got as president now that has zero experience uh, kind of proves that like f- the Forrest Gump effect where as long as you're dumb enough and you're willing to run across <laughs> America and grow your beard out, you could become president. As long as you're willing to give up on some things and keep going on others, you could. I think and, the hardest thing with like people being president or a politician in general is so many of them are so stuck in their party's mm-hmm. views and not what's good for people or good for the country. So what's going to be your platform? My platform is everyone flat track. And are we going to see a flat track in every yard? We're going to put a flat track in the front yard of the White House. <laughs> yes, dude. <laughs> Could you imagine that? how rad that would be? Everyone's like, they're mad at this guy for golfing. And then I just show up and I'm like, they're like, what's going on there? And then like you're uh, during the campaign trail, they, there would be so many like mud flinging and dirt flinging like puns. Like I can't wait. So oh, yeah. Man. And a field initiative knife in every pot is, <laughs> oh, is I believe yeah, what Lance was sure. asking. He had another question about CAN bus systems and we got about 20 oh, minutes that we can rock on that. Uh, I, I like that question. It was actually a pretty good one. It was CAN bus on a CB750. Mm-hmm. Whether it was good or not, I guess. So he said there's people that make kits. He said it was hard to put flashy stuff on it. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, because he wanted to know. He says, you know, the CAN bus system when trying to update an older bike like a 74 CB50 makes it harder to put Farkles and things on, but is it worth it for modern reliability? A few bike parts makers makes cool CAN bus systems that allow the use of a digital dash. If you don't know what a CAN bus system or what he's talking about, let's just talk, let me do this for like one minute. A a bus is basically like, it's just basically like a network or a grouping of components on stuff. And older bikes didn't have that. Older bikes, like my bike doesn't have, you know, the, the only electronics on my bike is like the CDI. And that's not technically an electronic like a, you know, a, a radio or anything like that, or a dash or anything yeah. like that. Everything's analog. Everything's wired to its own thing. And on modern day stuff, CAN stands for connected area network or something like that. And then there's like Lin buses and like Ford uses some of their own stuff and big trucks use their own stuff. 
And what it does is it allows the modules to talk to each other. And what he's saying is like a module, like for an electronic dash. So you got a module for that. If you have ABS, traction control, a lot of bikes are throttled by wire. All these little modules need to go and tell the other ones what to do. And in an old hardwire bike, you can't do that. Yeah. From my understanding, like old bikes or or normal wiring, like every single item has a positive and a negative wire running to it. Mm-hmm. Cam bus they were able to get rid of a bunch of wires because it worked on like pulses. Mm-hmm. And that's how it would talk to the different parts mm-hmm. of the bike or the car. And it would know, like in a modern car, if you have a taillight go out, it says your right rear taillight. Yeah. Out. Like on an old car, it's like, there's no idea. Yeah. It just sends electricity. And if the light bulb doesn't light up, it doesn't know. On my bike, if you put the side stand down, it would turn off because it, there's actually a wire going from like the battery and the ignition down to that. Like you're saying, it's but you point still A to point two B. wires. Yeah, like it cuts the ground and then right. all of a sudden it cuts the spark. But on a CAN bus, like BMW doesn't even use battery terminals anymore. All of their stuff is like integrated into the wiring harness and it lets you plug a module in that says, hey, the side stands down. Don't let it start unless the neutral or the clutch switch is pulled in. Yeah. All these things have to be. It tells something else, and there's like little controllers, ECUs that tell each other. Where on on an old bike, you had like miles of wiring and yeah. all that stuff. And I don't know on a CB750, you must have to replace a lot of the wiring harness. I would think. Yeah, I would say if someone makes a kit, it would probably be pretty like mm-hmm. plug and play. I would think, but I would also think it would be real cheap. Um, from the little bit of wiring that I've done, because I hate elect, I hate mm-hmm. wiring. I think of like my CB400 and I pulled out the wiring diagram and I narrowed it down to like six wires. Yeah. (laughs) It was like headlight, taillight, brake light. I killed the turn signals. And then you had like a wire for the start button. I didn't even care about high, low because I wanted to eliminate wires though. I didn't want a lot of them. And there was like a couple fuses, but there wasn't much. Yeah. Um, But that, I mean, to me, I don't know if you would actually get modern reliability because you're putting modern stuff on an old bike and to me, I, I don't know. I don't yeah. know if I would approve. Like, I think it's a super cool idea and I've seen really cool switches for the CAN bus system and you're right, you can put like a modern dash, but I think you can put a pretty modern dash with some of the old stuff too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know what the thing is, is on some of that stuff is that on, you know, what he's saying for Farkles is like an accessory plug. You just put a ground and a power, you splice it into a ground and power plug somewhere on your wiring harness Anything that you want to stick on, like a lot of dudes put accessories on their Harleys, old Harleys and stuff, and you just splice in a power to somewhere yeah. on, on the harness. And that's why you don't need a CAN bus system is because you just, you're literally splicing it into the hard wiring of the bike. But with CAN bus stuff, it's weird it because- fears almost. Yeah, there's little modules that can be independent or can tell the ECU, like I was- uh, I thought it was interesting, and I actually grabbed an example of a Ninja H2R, and just on the fuel injection, you have your, its own ECU just for fuel injection, um, separate one for ABS, separate one for you know uh, traction control. You have the IMU, which goes to that, which tells the bike if you're lean to, you know, if you're leaning and you're on power, don't give it too much gas because you'll wheelie or you'll skid out and low side. Oh, wow, I didn't. That's like a traction control. Yeah. Part, huh? Plus, there's a cam. Sensor, a knock sensor, a water coolant t- sensor, a map sensor, an air temperature sensor, and a vehicle 
down or bank angle sensor so that if you fall over, your bike shuts off and doesn't keep running. But all that crap, that's just the fuel the fuel it's injection. It's just the airbox and fuel injection. Yeah, that's just the fuel injection bus, and that's the system on that. And then you have ABS, and ABS talks to this sometimes too, like the IMU and the lean angle sensor. If it's over far, too far, the ABS won't let or the or it won't let you give full throttle or the if like BMW on their braking ABS it won't let you put max brake because it detects that you're leaned over mm-hmm. and so it doesn't want you to like lock up or like apply more traction than you have available on your sidewall so there's all these systems that can be independent but can also talk to each other and for older bikes I think that's awesome but I also think that it not not that it's impossible if people make a kit but it just like adds this level of complexity that old bikes never had. You yeah. know what I mean? I think for me, it's kind of out of my level of knowledge. <laughs> yeah. Like all my bikes are old and don't have any of that. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm not a, like, I love fuel injection, but I hate wires and I hate like electronic gremlins. Yeah. So, but I, uh, yeah, I mean, if someone made a good reliable kit and they got a bunch of good reviews, it might be something super cool. Yeah. If not, it sounds scary. Yeah. Unless you're like an electronics genius and you just want to do it yourself. Yeah. And it sounds really cool to have an electronic dash that hooks up to your old bike because that would be awesome to have like a new piece of kit. But uh, when I worked at a body shop, there was a dude that wanted to convert his Jeep Cherokee to airbags and it didn't, he had an old one. I think airbags became standard in like, I want to say the late 80s, like 89 or something. Or Were dash airbags? Yeah. Or like, no, it was after that because I had it. I think, I think it was like 92 or something like that. It was like in the mid-90s when that became mandatory on cars. And so he must have had like a late 80s or, or super early 90s Jeep that he wanted to put an airbag in. And I was like, dude, there's a whole wiring harness and stuff. Like you're going to have to yeah. replace half the car. And it wasn't CAN bus. So you can't just plug a module in and all of a sudden it's going to work. You need the wiring harness for that. Yeah. And as as stuff went to emissions and stuff like that, like uh, as emissions uh, controls got harder and you needed a O2 sensor to tell the ECU how much get like on this I'm surprised the O2 sensor isn't in here with the fuel injection yeah. because it, it's measuring gas temperatures or exhaust temperatures and that's telling it how rich or how lean the fuel is and how to you know what I mean and it's also measuring uh exhaust temperatures and then there's like another air um idle air switching to to burn up unburnt exhaust so there's all sorts of stuff in that bus that goes and I just couldn't see it working and that's his problem is that like on bikes that are made for it you just plug a module in and it works or the ECU tells this and that's why on modern cars when like a module goes out you're hosed on an old bike if something went out you traced it to the wire and like soldered it you know yeah that I don't (laughs) know that one sounds sketchy yeah so I don't know about the CAN bus on an old bike um there's something that I'm not 100% sure if it's a CAN bus, but Moto Gadget, have you ever heard of that? Uh-uh. It's like this little box that I think is smaller than the cell phone. And you, <clears throat> it's literally like a, contro- it's like a multi-controller and you wire everything to it. The whole bike goes to this one little mm-hmm. thing and it routes, it routes everything where it's supposed to go. And it's, not, it's technically not CAN bus, like a CAN bus, but it acts like, acts like it sort of. And, and it lets you cut down all your wires to like 10 you know what I mean? And that includes turn signals. You know, uh, I think it eliminates like side stand switches or whatever you whatever you don't want to plug in there. But it, it only does like, you know, ignition, lighting, you know, headlight, taillight signals. Like it gets you down to the bare minimum and 
you know, lets you rewire your whole bike just using this like one little. It almost looks like a little fuse panel on an old hmm. car. You know what I mean? But it's a it's a chip controller, and then it can come with little um, switches that you put on the thing, just like one button things. So I've seen I've seen something similar to that. Yeah, Did it makes that one. It might be uh, Moto Gadget. Moto Gadget. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I'm all at my. You asked me what the name was, and I said it might be. <laughs> that was a wrong answer. But I hope that answers Lance's question. Hooligan votes no on. I don't know. I'm going to look up Moto Gadget now. Yeah. Hooligan votes no on 2% milk, votes yes on Moto Gadget, and votes. Did you say it would be cool to have CAN bus if they make a kit? Yeah. I mean, if this, like, if that Moto Gadget kit or something is kind of simple, like, I'm all about eliminating wires. Yeah. So if you have an old carbureted bike with no O2s and you can, like, kind of eliminate it, and that could be super cool. Yeah. I mean, hell. Bikes nowadays are throttled. A lot of them are throttled by wire. Yeah, and so there's literally nothing going from your uh, no cable, just a just an electrical connection going from your grip down to the electrical connection on the throttle body, and that's how you. It's like a rheostat, basically, like yeah. two rheostats. So that bus system needs to work. But if it, I think he's just talking about a, a sort of a deal to add on. Um, like electronic electronic stuff, yeah, to make it a little bit more a little bit more modern, so you could have his. Yeah, I'd have to look more into that. I don't know. Yeah, hey Lance, uh, thank you for sending that in. Send us the maker or who the manufacturer and the model of this. Uh, if it's a harness, because see, I, that's the other thing I was wondering when you said CAN bus, how it splices or what module it, yeah. where what plug it goes into on his bike that's existing, because with CAN bus, most everything is a plug somewhere. Well, and like. On that old CB750s, the speedometer was cable-driven. Mm-hmm. So I don't even know how you would convert that. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's like if it's got electronic dash that reads somewhere, there's another sensor that you put somewhere. Yeah, you'd have to do something for yeah. that. So. Yeah, that's another thing about the reason they started CAN bus is because if you think about everything that we've talked about from ABS to speedometers to... Oh, dude, the wiring harnesses wiring, on bikes were just... They would be... And cars. Yeah, they would be 80 pounds and they would have to have a wire going to every single... If this condition meets this, then the circuit connects here and goes back. Mm-hmm. I mean, there would be so much. And I think I read somewhere that CAN bus started as a way to reduce copper in... Mm. Uh, not only did it mean that you could run a bunch of sensors everywhere and they'd send a signal back to well, and they can also run a thinner gauge wire yeah. with it. It, it, re- it would reduce copper, less wiring in general if you had these little sensors talking to each other, but also something about like electrical frequency. I know if I use my um, CB in my car, there's a warning in the owner's manual that it could mess with the ABS. Like it could make the ABS go off if I like was keying up, keying the uh, oh, wow. the mic while I'm driving. It'll set the ABS off. So that's another reason for CAN bus stuff is it can like localize it to that system and not get outside interference. So yeah, yeah it's pretty pretty nuts. I want to see uh, exactly what he's talking about. So Lance, do do me a fave and uh, check out Moto Gadget. And see if that's something that you might be able to go electronic with your dash because that turns everything into like a chip controlled device. And now your old bike or new bike, depends, goes down to just this like one controller controlling everything. And I think you can have it, um, you might be able to integrate an, an electronic dash into it uh, via, you know, whatever's going to pick up the speed of your motor. I don't know how that would all work. But uh, also, thanks, Matt, for sending in your questions about flat track. And also, thanks. To uh, Nathan Williams asking Hooligan about his uh, how did he get into flat track? I'm glad to learn it was an accident, 
And uh, I wish it was a more comedic accident. <laughs> like, like you really did just take the wrong turn off the freeway and end up in a flat track and just kept going. But, uh, but yeah, thanks everybody for the questions. If you like this and uh, we got a couple of roast my bikes that I know people want to hear, uh, let us know. And uh, I'll make the email so that it goes straight to, to the whammer and uh, we'll, we'll see how it, how it all turns out. So I'm excited about this. Are you excited about this? Nervous. <laughs> I know you I are. Like, I don't know if I'm in the mood to be mean, but I'm like, if someone wants their bike roasted, I have to be mean. Yeah. We're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to get into the Roast My Bike segment, which was requested, I might remind you. Yeah, this is... You guys ask for it. Yeah, so you're going to get it. All right, we'll be right back. We're going to take a quick break. Well, guess what? Daily Bikers right now has some exclusive notebooks just like the one that I use to take notes for the show. One features a BMW S1000RR, and the other one features a Suzuki GSX-R1000, and then there's the classic Fat Boy one, which is the one I have. They're coming in white pages. I have the ones with like a yellow tint, so it doesn't hurt my eyes when I'm writing in it, not writing. And uh, you know what? Go ahead and go scoop one up, because they're limited to 50. And if I haven't got one for you by the Solstice Slam, I'll know because they'll be sold out. So I need to get my buns on there and uh, get a couple for you guys. Um, and speaking of crashes, I'm going to let Dan talk about a crash that he had a while back. So talking right. crash stories, I have one that sticks in my head because it was one of those stupid ass moments which should never have happened. But every year on Australia <laughs> Day, which is the 26th of January here in Australia, me and about 10 other mates take off and head for the Snowy Mountains, which is, a, 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 you know, it's a legendary piece of road with amazing twisties and mountains and blacktops and you name it but for some reason that particular time and that particular year when we went up there it decided to piss down with rain and it was wet and it was cold i was wearing a mesh jacket so i was hypothermic i think i just completely lost all functionality and capability to ride and as we came up to the, an intersection after about four hours of riding in this shit weather I turned to the right to look at the oncoming traffic and just washed out the front and went sliding down the road on this brand new hypermotard Evo SP. I just scratched the living shit out of it and couldn't believe myself. It was nuts. <laughs> <laughs> so listen, luckily Dan's lighthearted enough to laugh off his crash, but I would be extremely upset if somebody didn't get me something from Daily Bikers. Check them out now. Like I say all the time, they've got gift cards, stickers, notebooks, coloring books, anything that you could want that's motor-related, and it's 100% made by our buddy Dan over at Daily Bikers, a true biker nut. Happy Australia Day, everybody. In the spirit of the vintage ride, I wanted to give a shout-out to our friends at Icon Suspension. At IMS this year, we met Jeffrey Lowe and Roger Kerwin. Uh, Roger is sales and tech, and Jeffrey's the business development manager over there at Icon. And their motto was, Bicon with Icon. And Roger made a good point. A lot of times you see these old custom bikes that are beautifully restored and painted and got all the right parts on them. But then you look at the suspension, and I believe he said it's a knackered, tattered set of shocks on the back there. So Icon Suspension will hook you up and get your ride back on the road. Bicon with Icon. You won't regret it. 
Check him out at iconsuspension.com or iconsuspensionusa.com. That's icon with a K. I-K-O-N. Chris, the time has come. Are you ready to uh, to roast someone's bike? He made it easy on me this week. Yeah, he sure did. This is Lance again. He, uh, we're gonna do these first come first serve. So there's already a couple people stepping up in line, but Lance was the first one. Uh, he emailed us literally moments after the last show went live with his Triumph Rocket Three, and I'm feeling like I got some stuff I want to say about this, but I'd feel kind of bad saying it. <laughs> should we? Uh, should we? I don't know. Should we should we change it up so that it's, I mean, this is a place of safety. This is coming from a place of love, and this is coming from a request. Like they wanted, you know, a, a roast of their bike. Yeah, it's and uh, it's definitely like I I remember like when I first saw like roast, I was like, oh no, like how did I? And then I listened to the show, and I was like, oh shit, I said I would roast someone's bike. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, should we change your voice up a little bit for it so you don't feel so bad or? Uh, we don't have to. All right. Well, then let's let's get in with it. Let me uh, let me think of a cool stinger to put in here so we can get some rad music. Yowza! Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Excellent. Uh, yeah. Let's uh, let's go for it. I'm gonna join in too because I got some choice things to say about this bike. Now, this is a 2016 Triumph Rocket Three with crackle blue paint, I believe he said, and. Uh, you lost me at Triumph. Uh, yeah. So uh, so let's begin, Actually, my friend. When you didn't say Bonneville, yeah, I don't even know if those are that great. But it's like a cruiser. Yeah, the Rocket 3. But it's a Triumph. And it's like cruisers basically have one purpose. Like you can't tell me I'm going to go for a cruise. I want to ride real far. There's bikes called touring bikes for that that are way better off. <laughs> so cruisers are basically meant to be cool. So buy a Harley. Yeah. Or if you're like, I don't care about being cool, but I want reliable, the Japanese make cruisers. But if you're like, I don't want to be cool, and I also don't want a reliable bike, then I guess you can go buy a Rocket 3. Yeah. <laughs> I don't I don't, I don't, I don't know past that. Like, yeah. I was thinking Rocket 3, you mean they made a Rocket 1 and a Rocket 2 of this piece of shit, and they're still going? <laughs> oh, my God. They're like, that one wasn't bad enough. What if we make it worse? <laughs> I was think, I was looking at it going, they must have made this on a Friday at 4.30 because they put the speed triple motor in sideways on that <laughs> is thing. Is that what it is? Is it a three-cylinder that's sideways? Dude, not only is it a three-cylinder, but it's got a bigger displacement than a Ford Taurus SHO, and it only goes about half the speed. I think they were like, you know, we should have Boss Haas design this thing so it looks super rad because <laughs> that, that tank is hideous. Yeah, I was going to say... <laughs> You know, this bike really did a good job. A good job of ripping off the Harley Davidson Fat Bob front end from the, you know, the previous version that had two headlights and ripping off the seat from an old tractor and then ripping off the Suzuki Boulevard uh, M109R styling. So, oh, good does, job trying. It does look horrible like a Suzuki Boulevard. Yeah. By the way, Suzuki Boulevard tractor seats, you have to be at least 470 to fill that thing out correctly. And at least on a Triumph Speed Triple with those ugly headlights, you're like, I have a cool naked sport bike. <laughs> but on this, you're like, I just have ugly headlights on an ugly bike. Yeah. Everyone's like, oh, rad. Oh, and it sounds like a triple. And then you pull up on that and they just start uh, throwing rotten tomatoes at you. Oh, no. Yeah. I, I was looking at it going, wow, 
three headers coming out, two exhaust pipes, and one asshole in the saddle. <laughs> Actually, I'm sorry, Lance. I like you. I, we're roasting the bike. I totally forgot. Oh, you totally got off track. <laughs> oh, totally went across the line, oh. went too far. And I think you said crackle blue, and I'm thinking, man, the only crackle I see is the guy who smoked crackle before he bought that thing. The rear fender sticker is pretty appropriate, though. Yeah. It says shit crazy. Well, there's a bat. He's bat shit crazy. Oh, yeah. Bat shit. That is bat shit crazy. Yeah. I can't even read a sticker. That's yeah. Like, your sticker's so lame. <laughs> Wiggins can't maybe read Maybe your roaster is lame right now. <laughs> hey, listen. Your bike. You would have to be bat shit crazy to buy a Triumph yeah. Cruiser. <laughs> that's true. Yeah. I saw the license plate. It says Corax. How about just an Axe? And I'll fix all your problems in 20 minutes. Harley might not get you home, but it sure will get you laid. Yeah. You know what? That thing got you scabies. Must be married. Oh, oh must be married. That's like the worst cut down ever <laughs> for a biker. <laughs> must be married. Must be married. I can get what I want now. I'm married. Yeah. Hey, you know what? Loud pipes gets <laughs> those. <laughs> I'm going to edit that out. I don't even want to know what it sounds like. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh, no. This is going to be a fun, rough section. Oh, my God, yeah. I thought this would be a lot easier than it is because Triumphs are such crappy (laughs) hunks of shit, but uh, it's not as easy as I thought, even given the gigantic piece of shit that tries to be the BMW 1200C. Uh, BMW has a cruiser, too, that's that gross? No, not as gross. Okay. But the Triumph Rocket 3, I wish I had two of them, (laughs) one to shit on and one to cover it up with. (laughs) Oh, man. The last time I saw something that big and ugly, it was driving off a cliff. (laughs) And that was the best part of it. (laughs) That's what I meant to say. The last thing, (laughs) Evil Knievel asked for a Triumph Rocket 3 for his last jump because he wanted to go out in in style. It does have inverted forks, though. Oh, shit. Triumph. Damn it. (laughs) You know what they say about polishing a turd? You can't do it. It's still a turd. Yeah. You know what? The Triumph Rocket 3, a turd. Someone's going to send me like a stereotypical Dyna just like mine. And we'll be like, I'm, you asked me to roast it. I have to. I yeah. can't tell you it's good. Listen, the only thing worse than that Triumph Rocket 3 is my bike. I was going to say probably the Rocket 2 <laughs> yeah. or the Rocket 4. I don't know what direction they're going. That bike is so ugly. I did a number three. <laughs> Spamble is pretty at the right angles. Yeah, that rocket has no chance. I don't know. This is harder than I thought. I know. The angle when it's directly behind you and you yeah. can't see it. Yeah. <laughs> Weren't those rockets huge? What was the like 2100, like 2.1 liter bike that Trumpet made? Probably the Speedmaster. Maybe. It was kind of a cruiser, wasn't it? But it was- they got too many jokes about the Speedmaster Bader, so they made the Rocket 3, and that's just <laughs> as worse. The only thing worse than a Triumph Rocket 3 is my dog's rocket when he's out in the yard and he's smelling another dog's butt. You should have painted it red so you could have the red Triumph rocket. Red Rocket. <laughs> wow, this is terrible. We won't, we're only six minutes in. This is not going to last. Oh, I thought the roast is part of the last half hour. No. I thought we went over. Unfortunately, no. Oh, I can't, oh, God. Talk, I can't talk shit for a whole half hour. Yeah, me neither. Lance, I think we're done with the, with your bike. Because just thinking about it, it's giving me a migraine. <laughs> I think we'll try and get better, and I might have to. I might have to have Dale sit in for me just to like 
get my mindset different. The Triumph Rocket 3, a bike so bad we can't even roast it. If you don't ride a Sportster, then fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Next time you buy a Triumph. Don't. Just don't buy it. <laughs> don't. Fatty, don't. <laughs> All right. Well, hey, that was our roast section. Some of that will be edited out for content. <laughs> we're going to get better. Some of that or will, worse, however you look at it. I like how we were laughing. I think we were laughing because we were like, didn't quite know <laughs> what the hell we're doing. But uh, yeah, we will get better. Some first-time listener is going to be like, what in the hell? <laughs> I'm never listening to this show again. Four and a half stars, huh? These guys suck. Man. I'm giving them one. Yeah, if our rating goes down, we quit this section. Yes. All right. Now that we've roasted the Triumph Rocket 3, we apologize to Lance Pear from Canada, the great country of Canada, on his 2016 Triumph Rocket 3. And the other six of you people that bought one of those. The other six of you that bought a Triumph Rocket and Triumph. Damn, this now is, I can't stop. Yeah, I know. Now I got you going. We uh, This has been a roast and uh, all comedic in, intention. So... Don't take it personal. This is done out of in a place of love, kind of like when your dad tries to wear, you know, skinny jeans. Nah, don't do it. This is this is a place of love where we just try to make the world better by helping our friends out. If it makes you feel better, I hate all motorcycles. <laughs> in the way that a crackhead hates crack. <laughs> but <laughs> it's <laughs> That's, sorry, we have a show about <laughs> Right. I wasn't expecting you to say that, (laughs) but yeah, but you know what? Yeah, that. uh, But he especially hates Triumph Rocket threes. And scene. (laughs) All right. Well, thanks, Lance. Uh, Anybody else? I think Nate Bickham is up uh, next week. Oh, I just roasted his on Instagram. I didn't know we're supposed to actually do it later. No, man. We're gonna we're gonna have fun with that because I got plenty to say about that. I don't know enough about the Triumph Rocket 3 to really get down and dirty, but dude, I've been... Nate's bike looks too much like mine. I gotta be careful. <sighs> Man, or, or I know exactly what to hate about it. I don't know. Yeah. Well, I know exactly what to hate about it. I can't wait to roast that one. That'll be next week on uh, Roast My Bike. do 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 <laughs> Yowza! <laughs> wah, wah, wah. <laughs> everybody i hope you are enjoying the show we are at the one hour mark go ahead get yourself some little drink of water right now and uh gear up put some ice on that butt of yours or if you're walking around get ready for another hour of blib blab for me and the co-host right now i'd like to take a second and thank everybody over at rp enterprises for making 2018 the year to live for rp enterprises why why would you say that well because i've said a lot of stupid things in my time Uh, You know, you guys have suffered through 106 episodes of it now. And RP Enterprises has this unique product called the Lobotomizer. The Lobotomizer is a discreet uh, self-adhesive scar. And uh, it's, it's, you know, like play makeup. What what happens? You say something dumb. Maybe you're at a party. Maybe you're at work even. uh, And nobody's noticed your forehead before. What what happens? you, You say something real stupid. You're digging a hole. It's almost like you've gone like on a crazy Twitter rant and you're the president of the United States. What you do, you go into the bathroom, go into a phone booth, do whatever you got to do, but you slip the self-adhesive scar onto your forehead and you come back out with that dumb look that you always have on your face anyway, and everybody excuses your 
what are those called? Your transgressions. That's the word I'm looking for. And the RP Enterprises, without them, I wouldn't have got away with saying half the dumb stuff that I've said in my life. I've used that thing so many times. Uh, I just can't thank you enough, Rex Panther, for creating such a great product. All right. Thanks for sponsoring the show. Let's get back to it. All right. It's apparent that we need a little bit of work on our Roast My Bikes, but we'll have it in the bag by next week. Uh, now let's get to the last segment of the show, which is the build. And uh, this week's the build wanted to talk about where to get parts and supplies from. And I know Wiggins has been building, you know, all sorts of kind of bikes and some race bikes. So I always go first. I always steal the show. And I always say that every week, even though I don't. And uh, I'm going to let him go first, though, this time. Talk about where to get some parts. And I want to focus specifically on race bikes, since we've had a lot of people asking how to get into hooliganism and how, how you accidentally stumbled into racing. How do you, where do you get your race parts for, from? Uh, Pre-sponsorship, I might add. <clears throat> Unless you're sponsored out there and you really want to know. I still, like, I... So when the hooligan stuff started, I was already kind of linked up with Speed Merchant. But I would buy a lot of my, um, just my Harley stuff in general from either Speed Merchant or Todd Cycle, just because I liked that style or like Alloy Art, um, who actually makes a lot of it for even those guys. But depending what you need, um, man, I'm trying to think like, what sort of stuff does Speed Merchant uh, sell? Like, what sort of is it hard parts? Yeah, Speed Merchant's focus is like hard parts, mostly for sportsters, a little bit for Dinas and some of the like retro Bonneville Triumph stuff. Um, not the new, new ones, the 1200s. <laughs> and not the Rocket 3. <laughs> Definitely not the Rocket 3. <laughs> um, but that was like their focus. And then, of course, like soft parts, like t shirts and hats, because I think it's just those are easy. Those sells, make your bike man. go 5% they do. faster. Stickers add horsepower. Um, but yeah, so like I run Speed Merchant Triple Trees. I run Speed Merchant. Um, actually, on my Dyna is actually where we came up with them. But I run solid risers for or solid bushings for my handlebar risers, and I run that in the Sportster and in the Dyna. Um, because on the Dyna with my T bars, you would get like this weird flex. Okay. And I didn't like it, and I tried yeah. a lot of them, and I just went like solid aluminum. I was gonna say, does it transmit vibrations more? Is that? I mean, it does a little bit, but I was losing having the riser. Like I have eight inch risers, and then like sports or style bars, or a lot of guys run like T bars that are basically just the same thing but welded together. Um, I would get like a delay in my steering, and I ran like really good bushings, but I just there noticed like I would go to twist the bars, and I would feel the bike move after and it was like this weird little shuffle and i was like i didn't like it i wanted like that solid feel yeah so i just machined up some solid ones none of the guys on the track uh i'm guarantee are running anything with any play or momentary like delay no it's in that i mean honestly my dyna like it's a rubber mount motor and i put a lot of miles on it but the vibration there wasn't wasn't as bad as feeling like the weird yeah, um, kind of dampening and the bars moving because yeah. you're putting a lot of leverage on those half thirteen bolts in that like small area. Yeah, and now that's another thing to consider when you're building a bike is uh, how you want it to end up feeling and how you want the play to end up being. Because a lot of times, Speed Merchant, I know uh, some people talk 
have talked to me about the offsets that you can get on the triple clamps. You mm-hmm. can make, you can like adjust your rake or your trail kind of by the speed merchant ones. They, um, so they were designed for dinos. A lot of Dyna and sporty guys and FXR guys lift the rear of the bike, like the club style bikes. Uh, like my Dyna stock was 12 inch shocks. And I think I have 14s. A lot of the sportster guys were doing the same thing. Even, and the, and the street tracker guys were doing it even more in the, even like pre-racing and speed merchant Bronny, basically he brought the offset back to help make the front end feel stable with that lot, with that extra trail, your front end would get kind of wobbly and twitchy at, at high speed. So even just cruising down the freeway though, with the rear end lifted, it really like kind of, uh, made everything extreme. So he brought that offset back on those triples and kind of made it more stable for the flat track bikes. What I liked is it shortened the wheelbase up and it helped put weight on that front tire and kind of make it feel better. Um, and of course we do lift them, but we really don't, there's rare that we go to a track that's really like high speed and we really need it. And I think you're accelerating so hard when it is a high speed track that it, it, I don't know if that was the issue, but it helped with other issues that we were having. Um, but there are flat track trees you can buy. Weiss, W-I-S-S, makes trees. Um, he's about the only one I know of off the top of my head. But there's a couple more that you can change rake and some other stuff. But it's one of those, like, I ran the Speed Merchant ones because of Speed Merchant and being, you know, my title sponsor. So, and they did help out. So, yeah, I just I kept them and I, I haven't changed anything else. And a lot of times... I'm not sponsored by anybody. Hashtag if you want to sponsor the show, that'd be great. <laughs> but um, if I find something that I like, I'll re-run, I, I buy from them. Or I'll yeah. keep going back to them for other products and at least try them out. Sometimes I've gone to people, stupid little stuff like grips or like switches or something, and they make something really good. One component, great, but the other line of components is trash. But when you find somebody that you like and somebody that's a pro, like a lot of people talk about the street, uh, the Speed Merchant triples, you know? Yeah. And a lot because of people, I, I think a lot of triple trees are a lot of the billet like Harley industry triple trees. They never did anything, you know. They were just oh cool, I got these fancy triple trees, but they were OEM the same stock. stock. Yeah. yeah, right. So you know the Speed Merchant ones actually changed the handling of the bike and improved it and stuff like that. So that was definitely why you hear about those ones a lot. And another thing like with Speed Merchant, and they don't, they're not a company that makes like fifty parts. Actually, I don't know. They make a decent amount, but a lot of them, you know, even if they make 50, five or 10 are like life changing. And the other ones are like nice accessories to have on your Harley. <laughs> and actually, like, they make some pretty cool foot pegs and uh, they're kind of sharp. So, like, for street riding and stuff, they're totally fine. But even Brownie is like, I do not want those on the hooligan track. Like, you guys need to run something Cut different. someone's leg if they hit yeah. you. Yeah, the- and honestly, what I run there, um, just a tip for anyone running flat track, the stock Harley foot pegs are rubber. And uh, if you can get a clevis that fits it, especially on the left side where you have a steel shoe, it's they're great. But I run them on both sides. Yeah. Um, I will say though, if you have a sporty and you're even if you're not doing hooligan racing, if you have a solid mounted sportster, an item that I highly, highly recommend, and other people make it too. I'm not gonna give them advertisement, but I'll give the merchant one. Um, the sprocket cover, like right side foot peg sprocket cover for a sportster is awesome. The stock cast ones will break. Like yeah. if you do anything stupid on your motorcycle, 
they'll break. Yeah. So uh, I highly recommend that. I want to say full price is like 150 bucks. It's billet. It's got spacers. They look super cool. You can get them in black or raw or polished. And uh, that to me is like a must have. If you're going to go hooligan racing, it's definitely a must have. And I can't remember the brake lever and the, or the foot peg doesn't mount through that, does it? Yeah. Or it so that's what happens is on the stock one, it's pretty thin cast aluminum. Mm-hmm. It mounts to the bike and the foot peg and the brake lever and the master cylinder right. mount to that cover. That's right. And what happens is like you jump or you go off a curb or you stand up and it cracks right yeah. where the foot peg is. So um, Speed Merchant made one that was a little thicker and was billet and uh, it looked super. I mean, a lot of guys like to cut the cam cover back there anyway. And, yeah. Um, you know, and they used to take those and cut them down and make them look all cool and they just break easier. Yeah. So, and Harley doesn't make them anymore. They're like a few hundred bucks from Harley. Wow. So it's definitely something like, and that was a cool, like, was that on the evolution motors? Or is that why they don't on the early sporty? I, the new sports are still called an evolution motor, but on the solid mount ones. Right. So, well, right. Yeah. The different, yeah. When they changed, um, yeah, and then on the on the left side, the shift lever, I mean, that's the side that if you're going to fall on flat track, you're usually going to low side or slide out and go down. Is there something f- to protect the shift lever? Because it goes right through the yeah. primary on that side. It already. does. You, you can't do a lot, but Alloy Art makes a rad little, like if you've ever seen a dirt bike shift lever and it's got like the spring to it, Right. Alloy Art made one for the Sportster, for Harleys. I think the thread's the same for Dinas and stuff too. That is a, a cool little like pivoting one with a spring in it. Yeah. So it's a it's pretty bitching. Um, I always ran mine at a weird angle because we usually don't hit stuff head on. Like if usually on, in general, if you crash a sportster on a flat track, you're gonna low side it. So it's kind of sliding from the bottom of the motorcycle yeah. up. So yeah. I always put it, but you couldn't go too much of angle there because when you would try to upshift, you would just bend the lever back. But yeah. um yeah, that definitely helps. I ran the stock left side foot control for a long, long time. Actually, until like right before X Games this year, I think. And your one now is a solid. Is it solid clevis or does it fold up? I'm not sure what I have on there. It's, might a, have it's a, a metal spike. I might have a solid <laughs> one because I, I also run my shifter super high because of my steel shoe. Yeah. And then now I have uh, taken my left foot peg and I've moved it back a few inches to help get weight back and just get it out of the way of my leg and get it off the ground. So I moved it back a couple inches. Um, and my so my shifter is still in the same spot, and I tried running my shifter like back so I could just click it down to upshift, and I ended up like hitting it with my leg and kicking it into neutral at X Games. Um, but so I run it kind of in the stock or not stock, but where I used to run it, which is forward like a stock one, but up like it's it's kind of up high. Like if you were to look at like a guy riding on the street, you would think it's crazy, but having a steel shoe, it's perfect. Yeah, and I don't need to hit it a lot, like. Like riding on the street, you'd have to be doing like you a, have ban- to, you, a banjo. Yeah, stomp you like tile, you don't. So. But the way I shift on my sporty, I don't flex my ankle. I just pick my whole, whole foot, foot up, up and right. just smack it. So it's more of like necessity than. If you like music like old uh, old timey slide guitar, check out C Six Steve, and you'll see Chris's uh, shifting <laughs> technique. Uh, so Speed Merchant, Todd Cycle, Weiss Trees, Alloy Arts, where can you? Where do you get all this stuff? Go straight to the source? I usually go straight to the source. I mean, you know, for a lot of those small companies, like, you know, Drag Specialties calls a lot, or carries a lot of those small companies, but if you order directly from them, their profit margins are higher. Right. So, you know, and that's, you know, those little companies, like, that's a big deal. 
Right. And, and you know, drag specialties, I, I do have to say that, you know, with any jobber that comes or any like catalog, sometimes you might live in an area that you can't, there's not a dealer or, you know, I don't know, maybe, maybe, I, can you order direct from drag on their website? Uh, or do you have to go through a dealer with them? Because they're a distributor, not, yeah. Not I'm order. not 100% sure, but if you can get drag specialties somewhere, then you can get these smaller guys. If you yeah. don't know, say like you say like you're getting into flat track or something, you don't know yeah. these names, you can at least find them somewhere. Yeah. So that's that's cool. So drag specialties is a good place to look. I mean, any of the jobbers like drag specialties, JP Cycles has had a lot of good stuff. Um, gosh, I can't think of the other. And we run like. I run custom uh, Barnett's cables because I run 7 8 bars. So I have a stock YZF 450 throttle. Um, that's another good to know. Yeah, and actually a guy hit me up this week. So that's something too. Like if you're if you're seriously building a hooligan bike, like slide into the DMs on my account and I will help you as much as I can. Um, but a, a guy asked me this week like about throttles and he's wanting to run a Motion Pro and I haven't personally done it. I know Fast J is running one, but I don't know if like they just bought a kit and it all fit directly on. I would like to know more, but uh, I don't, so I don't know. Yeah, and Motion Pro is another one of those c- companies that makes like, God, they make so much stuff from yeah. tools yeah. to like kits for you know, and they're like stuff. If you're putting an aftermarket throttle on, they are the standard. I want to say, and they do like. What's cool about most of their throttles, and again, if you're putting one directly on a Sportster, I don't know if they make one directly for that application or if you kind of have to be ghetto. But for a dirt bike anyway, they make them with different wheels, so you can change how quick and how the throttle feels, basically. Change the pull on that. Mm -hmm. And I think they make them for dual and single, because some bikes don't have... a lot of old two-strokes are single. Yeah, you don't have the... Push pull cable. You just have yeah. like one in the spring or on my the, Ducati Monster. Yeah, or or <laughs> Spamila. Yeah, you have the return spring on the throttle body is what does everything instead of having like a push pull cable. Yeah, so you can get a lot of a lot of stuff. Motion Pro is actually a good resource. That's a good good one. Um, I want to say Sudco. If you don't know, Sudco has like a thousand page catalog that will just blow your mind looking through it because they got all sorts of stuff. And they're actually located here in SoCal, and uh, I think they moved down to Compton or something I was like say they're that. Sh- coming straight out of Compton. Aren't yeah, they? I think they moved down to Compton a couple years ago. But I would go in there, and I would look at their catalog, and they got like they got good factory like replacement stuff that's not from China. Um, they got they probably have some from China, but they also have like if you're missing a lot of times when you're rebuilding a vintage bike uh, or you're redoing an older bike. Uh, that was like a limited run, like a Triumph Rocket Three probably should have been. Um, you like the boots, carb boots, and stuff like that. They yeah. just don't make them. If you run out of them on a certain bike, you're never gonna find them. And you're like, well, I'm gonna go get these roached ones off of eBay. Yeah, and hopefully I can soften them up by soaking them in solvent or something. But Sudco actually started making or getting, uh, you know, has a is a distributor now for somebody that's making old repro. Like mm. Z KZ uh, one thousand, like the Z the original like seventy Z one. If you're like me, you stabbed a straight screwdriver through them too. So. Yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah, trying to get them trying off to get them so, on so and damn off. hard. Yeah, and or like I had one that was like uh, had a vacuum fitting on it, and that thing was just like. Uh, so old and had been gone through so many heat cycles over its lifetime that the vacuum fitting didn't 
wasn't adhered to the plastic anymore, bonded, I guess is how, huh. it, you know, it was like cast in there or, or injection molded, however they make those things. And it had just come loose. And so I kept, it kept stalling on me and I couldn't figure it out. And it's because all of a sudden there was like an air. Yeah. I was like, oh, there's a vacuum. My CBX has a horrible vacuum petcock. Oh yeah. Mine does too. So of course does. Yeah. To get fuel, it needs to be running. Yeah. When it turns over, it creates enough of a vacuum to open it up. But it's like, you got to sit there and turn it over until the floats can get some fuel. Right. Right. My old man was like, why don't you just put a regular petcock and remember to turn it off? And I'm like. I used to run a CB tank on Spamala and I made, I just made, I brazed up a tube coming out of it basically and had just an inline fuel filter petcock. Yeah. Bike ran meticulously, blocked off all the other vacuum shit. I put the stock tank with the vacuum petcock on there and yeah, like it's like, I think that thing, I I ordered a rebuild kit for it a while back and it was a little bit bent and I was like, Mm. shit. So I had to put the old one back in. I I used some of the new parts, some of the gaskets, but the old actual vacuum thing and it works, but it's a little bit leaky now and I'm like, God, I bet you that thing is just destroyed. I'd say too, uh, if you're trying to rebuild an old bike, check out Flanders. You know, we hit them up a little bit or talked about them a little bit last week, but they've got a bunch of random stuff. Yeah. I, I'd like to tell you what to go there for, but I have no idea. But I know they got a bunch of stuff. Most of the time when you're doing a custom bike, you are adding or the you're changing bars for sure. Yeah. And sometimes you gotta make a cable longer or shorter. Mm-hmm. And they have barrel kits, which is the barrel is like the little round part on the end of the uh, the ca- uh, A cable. And they have them where some of them are like set screw kits. Like if you ever had an old VW Beetle and you remember how like the, you'd have to put a set screw into the throttle uh, cable at the, at the carb. Or they have solder kits where you can measure it out, cut it off. It has like a it's little- like a little pot and yeah. you melt the lead, right? Literally. And it comes with the- Everything but the torch, you know, you, yeah. it, it gives you the little casting. You slide the the cable in and you melt it in there, and you do it just like you were making a bullet back in eighteen hundreds. <laughs> and uh, and the the cool thing about that is it's not a set screw; it's never going to slip, and you're yeah. and, or and it's never it's not crimped, so it's not going to come uncrimped and slide. Yeah, the it, set screws are horrible; they're super temporary yeah. to me. Like, and if you ever like don't keep ch- up checking it, like yeah. you to, you, if you know what it is to do chain proper chain maintenance and you do it, that's like having a set screw thing. And then one day it's like, doesn't open until you're like three quarter throttle yeah. and it's cause it slipped or something. They're, yep. they're ridiculous. But Flanders has all that they have. You can, you can change the length of your brake clutch, uh, throttle cables all with their build it yourself kits. And a lot of people run into that trouble you get one that's too short, you turn your handlebars and all of a sudden you're at yeah. full throttle because it's pulling, you know, pulling I, the throttle. I know from their race bikes, uh, Barnett's, if you know like what throttle you're running and what bike it's going to and you can measure, um, and cables are hard to measure. They're super weird. And I like to add length and then I get them too long. But you can tell them, hey, I'm running such and such throttle on this bike and it needs to be 32 inches long. They can make you a cable too. They're, yeah. they're pretty good about it. And Are they cables only? I think they do brake lines, but I don't know if they do them or their neighbors do them or something. Right. But and they do. I mean, Barnett's does like full clutches and stuff. But okay, right, right. Yeah. I know who you're talking about now. Um, and <laughs> Flanders does not just cables. They do handlebars. They do. Do they do shock or uh, forks? Do they do triples? Like, do they? I don't know. Is it just handlebars and? I, I, yeah, I'm not. I perused their hardware before, and I was amazed by how much stuff they have specifically and for cables. And that's what I'm thinking, too. Like, if you got an old bike, they might have some random stuff for yeah. it. Yeah. And then 
I think one more that I would say that I know we've talked about on the show before too, but like my plan on my 400 that I need to work on (laughs) is updated suspension because a lot of it is weight and cost. Like you can get pretty good suspension, pretty cheap these days. So, and I, I ended up got it from a friend of mine, but I have a complete SV650 front end that I want to put on my CB400. If you get on All Balls Racing website, and I think it is under four kits, you can look up your bike and it will give you a list, no shit, two pages long of forks. Yeah. Or, or basically triples and forks that will fit your bike. And, uh, Unfortunately, the SV650 this gen doesn't fit my 400. Yeah, but um, <laughs> I'm, I bought some F4i trees, so I'm hoping that works. But anyway, like I mean, you know, you could have an old Honda CB and Beamer forks, Yamaha forks, Honda forks, Harley forks, like w- whatever, and it will give you the year, the bike, like you know, CBR600. You could put modern inverted forks on it if you want by literally only buying the ball bearings from them. Yeah. And I, I went to all balls when I was replacing my stock balls that sit in a race. Like those are the worst things you need to get the good Timken style yeah. anyway. It, if yeah. You can. If you have balls that sit in a race and you literally have to order 32 ball bearings and like grease them and put them in the race, get rid of those, get these like roller bearings that are like angled, um, roller style bearings that don't that they they won't clock on you they won't you tighten them down and since they're not little balls getting pressed into a, a flat you know plane or like a rounded cup they're not gonna lock and, and I when I first got my bike it was like tick tock tick I could I could tell you like exactly where the bike sat because the balls get pressed into the races and you've got 32 or 40 however many ball bearings little dents now in your race and your and your bike's literally gonna clock like a stopwatch these style the, the that I got are angled like they're roller or, yeah they're flat roller bearings at an angle and you can basically over tighten them. Yeah, you can't ever compress them to where they're gonna n- not. Yeah, not roll. Basically, and they still don't like even if they're a little loose, they don't have the slop like the round mm-hmm. balls do. They're they're overall just a way better yeah. system. So not only are those good bearings, but when I started looking and I saw all that stuff that you did, I thought, holy crap, nobody does a matrix. Nobody does matrixes. And when I find them, I love looking yeah. at them. And I have to say another good. Yeah, if you're bored. And you just like you maybe you don't want to change the front end on your bike, but you just want to see what is out there. Like get on there, look up your bike and see what fits it. Like yeah. it is amazing. And kudos to all balls for having the balls to do it. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> and it's all balls. I think it's a Z at the end, right? All balls has a yeah, I'm pretty or sure. All balls racing. Yeah. Um I and race tech was another one of those things that had like a sort of a matrix too where you could look up your bike and they'll have a bunch of their different shocks that that it mounts up to they'll have emulators valve emulators so if you're going for like a full-on like i i I think there's a company called um, gt suspension or something like that that probably has some really good components for sport bikes and stuff like that but race tech has like yeah if you want to do like a valve or you want to do an emulator or you want to replace shocks and you want to do different lengths, they have another matrix there that will just tell you exactly if your bike can handle it or not and what, you know, front end and rear. And and I just love matrixes because it it takes such a long time to cross-reference all that crap. And if you were to do it by yourself, you know how many it'd be trial and error basically. Well, and I don't yeah, it's trial and error and like I don't know how you would even know without buying the part and seeing if it fit. 
And then even like for the all balls front end, like, okay, so this, it slides through, but the bearings are wrong size where all balls done, like all three, the frame, the bearing and the, the newer front end. Yeah. And you could cross reference all that, you know what I mean, and and get the right bearings yeah. for that. The stock bearings obviously aren't going to fit. Do you get the SV six fifty bearings? Well, I don't know because there might be like a gap or you know what I mean. So for somebody to do all that yeah, uh, research for nuts. you is so rad. And I have to say that that's probably one of the things. A lot of people change out their handlebars. You need to also check your bearings while you have the triples off and all that crap. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? You might as well if it's an old. And yeah, old even bike. if you're not putting a front end in it, see if All Balls makes a Tempkin kit for it. Yeah. Like if you have it apart, spend the fifty bucks and put a Tempkin kit because you will never have to touch it again. Right. Yeah, I did mine. I want to say like ten years ago. I've had I've gone through bikes and still had and on Spamala specifically I uh, hers are the ones I did about 10 years ago and like I said I've gone through bikes before I've gone through bearings again yeah. and and it's amazing and I never I I like check the grease on them like once every couple of years if I'm like adjusting something or have the trees apart and if they're always just perfect another thing I would check and this place is down in like San Diego area it'd be crazy to see their warehouse full of molds but AirTech mm. uh fiberglass if you have an old CB1100F and you need a fairing, I don't think they make the plastic glass for it, but they make the fiberglass. Like, I think they do some tanks, but not a bunch. Um, but, I mean, tail sections, fairings. And we're not talking, like, mo- more older retro stuff. I don't think any way they do a lot of, like, modern sport bike stuff. I think that was, like, shark skins or someone did, like, the CBR, you know, style crotch rocket race plastic right but if you're doing like an old restoration or whatever and you want some like glass stuff for your old cb or old kz or whatever check out air tech yeah and i have to say uh talking about the all balls matrix that they have and how would you know one way uh oki mccloskey uh who is a facebook buddy put something last year about the bike that he was building and it was like a uh gotta have it it's like an xt or XR 600 or something like that. And it was like crazy supermoto Mad Max looking. And he had some good advice, which is eBay. You know, eBay is one that we've kind of the elephant in the room that we've kind of gone over, but eBay is a place where you can ask the seller specifics. What can you measure this for me? You know, you probably ask them to weigh it for if they are nice enough, but you know what I mean? Like you can get the dimensions from them if you really need to know, like, is this, is this not going to fit my head tube? You know, is this triple going to be too long? Like, am I going to need to get spacers? What? Some of them I noticed too, they don't, they don't necessarily have that information and they're almost, and I don't disagree. I'm not saying this is a bad thing because you got to look at it from like their point of view, but they, they might be like, I don't know. It's for this bike. Yeah. Cause I see some of them that it, like literally they're like, it's off a 2005 Suzuki may fit other bikes. Yeah. And like, that's the information yeah. they know. Like they know what it comes off of and that's it. But I've seen that on some salvage sites where they probably have like a hundred bikes they're tearing down and they don't want, they don't <laughs> yeah. give a shit what it goes on. They but, want you to know yeah. that. Yeah. But I mean, eBay is always a good place. Like, and you can find a lot of stuff and I've emailed them like, Hey, I noticed you have this wheel, but I also want like the rear rotor with it type stuff. And sometimes it's gone, sometimes it's not. Yeah. Um, but you know, so there's, there is, I mean, the thing is, like, it's just a huge flea market. So yeah, there, there are yeah. parts there. There's two reasons to sell on eBay. A, you got a bunch of shit that you want to get rid of yeah. and make a little money. And sometimes you can make, 
you know, you can't make the whole shebang, but you can make more than nothing if you couple stuff together. So a lot of times you can ask people to include something or, hey, do you also, I have this bike, I'm, I got this wheel, do you also have the airbox mm-hmm. for it? Even if it's like a totally unrelated yeah. part. Like, Yeah, when I was fixing my Ducati up, I did a lot of that. Hey, I'm, I'm buying this for my bike anyway. I also need this part, this part, this part. What do you have? Yeah. So eBay is a good source. Uh, I think if you're going to go, if you're going to be customizing stuff, um, like maybe you're doing, maybe you're good enough that you're like doing welding tabs on a frame or doing like some bungs for a fuel tank and stuff. Especially if you're doing Harley or some old Triumphs. But if you're doing that kind of stuff, lowbrow customs. I'm going to write that down. I was going to say Old Bike Barn has... Uh, they also do. They have categories where they have uh, like Cafe Racer and Bobber. Like they kind of try to split it into categories to make it general for you. Yeah. But they got everything from like taillight, like bolt-on stuff from taillights to also tabs and uh, threaded tube. And, and that's a lot of stuff, stuff too. If you can buy, if you find a cool taillight and you can buy a tab that's steel that that taillight bolts to where you can take a four-inch angle grinder and a MIG welder and stick it to your frame. Yeah. Like that's rad. And then it's like it's it's custom but it's easy. You know, it's a cool mix. I yeah, I I need to check out some more old bike barn, but I know Lowbrow has a bunch of stuff. And if you got a like an old Sportster, like I know the gas tank on my Sportster is from Lowbrow. It was like $120 yeah. for the peanut tank. Do they make yeah. it? Is it like a, cu- a lowbrow custom like tank? I don't tank? know what all they make or don't make. I know like the rear fender on my bike is actually their brand. Um, I've got a couple of their like the tsunami fender is what I run on my sporty, and I've got a couple of their like all aluminum like brushed full fenders that you like trim to fit and mount to fit. Yeah. Um, when I set my bike up for ice, I ran two of them like all the way right, around. Right, right, right. I did like a little wheelie and bent up the rear, <laughs> but um, so those have like their brand. I don't know if all the tanks do. But they've got a lot of bungs and stuff. And then there's another one, Bung King. Bung King sounds like Bun King, which is my favorite bakery here in <laughs> LA. Bung King. Yeah, Bung King makes a lot of bungs and tabs too. So, and you know, Lowbrow might be like carrying them. Right. Yeah. So uh, going back to the drag specialties thing, you might not know who you're looking for, but if you go to a distributor, for sure, you'll find them. And we're, kind of trying to point you in the right way of distributors here. Um, and I think that we've covered we've covered quite a few. I'm going to say we almost have 20 here on this list. And you could always go, this is getting here down toward the bottom of the list, I would say J.C. Whitney. And J.C. Whitney, everybody probably knows what J.C. Whitney is, but if you don't, it's like a super cheap, and you would you'll see why after you you buy them. But they have like Biker's Choice and and uh, something Speedmaster or something like they have like generic. I'm pretty sure they're like Chinese brands or lower production, like not not quality, you know, not like Kiriakin or anything like that. Which uh, I'm you know Kiriakin's kind of well known in the Harley thing, but they have a lot of like. A lot of stuff for Harley and J.C. Whitney, but you're buying mostly Chinese. It's like it's like the uh, Harbor Freight, but for parts, kind of. And if you need, like, if you need something, if you need to leave your house and go pick up some hardware, Home Depot doesn't have shit. Yeah, no, don't. Lowe's does not have shit. The only place I can really think of, if you're not in Southern California, you can't go like like if you're in Southern California, you can well anywhere really. You McMaster car and they can ship it out overnight if you want. They've got crazy 
amounts of like hardware and stuff, but uh, just true value hardwares. True value McMaster car. I think there's one on the five, right? Or there's a there's a couple big warehouses throughout LA, right? Only one I know of, and that maybe they do have more than one location. But the all I think their only thing is off. It's in like Santa Fe Springs, or that's where it's off the five. Off. It's more off the six hundred five. Oh, is it? It's off like Telegraph and Norwalk Boulevard. Yeah, I forget which which way I uh, I drive. Depending which way I take home from work, I drive right by it. Yeah, like I can get online at break. Place an order and pick it up yeah, on the way home. I pa- that's why I was thinking the five because I passed it last time I went to San Diego, but I think I took the six hundred five home, and that's pro- I probably it's a passed decent it off ways off the freeway. Is it? You can't yeah, see. There's not no, a big. You, not shit! I, I wonder where of. I was at where I saw it because I it's McMaster hyphen car right with two yeah. R's. Yeah, I don't know where the hell I saw it, but I I went right by it. Hmm. Um, I, I accidentally started flat tracking. It looks all <laughs> like it looks freeway. all industrial, but you can order from it. Yeah, I made up like a fake business name just to be funny. Made it. But yeah, I wonder where I saw it, but I've definitely passed <laughs> it. Yeah, crazy hardware. But as far as like local hardware stores, you're not going to find anything at True Value. So go to like, or I mean, sorry, anything at like Home Depot, you got to go to like a True Value. Yeah. Uh, Granger also, if you, yeah, I'm not sure if they're corporate, but I've ordered stuff from them before and I didn't, but you had to, but like a lot of time you buy in bulk. Like, a yeah. Ba- uh, and the good thing with True Value, you can buy one or twos. Yeah. And they don't. The one by me has a pretty good hardware selection, and I was in there this week looking for a ten twenty four hex. Yeah, like, and they did not have it, and I ended up what I, like what it had to go in the nut. I was like, oh, if I just put the bolt on the other side and the nut on this side, but it was like in a little plastic holder and it wouldn't work. Five millimeter ended up fitting after I went around everything. Yeah, but I don't. I need like a thumb screw on top so I can tighten it by hands. I'm just gonna weld a washer on the bolt. Yeah, but it was just like, but they do have a pretty good selection, and you can get stainless. And the thing is about like True Values is a lot of them are going out of business because of places like Home Depot. Yeah, but if you need to go buy a quarter twenty bolt, like something super common, Home Depot doesn't, doesn't have, have it. it. Home Depot actually told me. That they were scaling back on the stuff that they already carry, which already isn't like not much at all. Yeah, and it's because they're becoming a convenience store where to be convenient to every department in yeah. there, they have to cut back on. And they're minor not. Sellers. They're not a hardware store. They're a home improvement mm-hmm, mm-hmm. store. So they're covering like, a lot of bases. Yeah, you guys like go to your true values and support mm-hmm. them so they stay open. Yeah, I have to say Osh right down the street from us too. Osh is pretty good. They have like this whole hardware aisle that Home Depot doesn't even have. And yeah. it was like all metric from four millimeter up to like shit like 30 or something like that. And then they have these like big old long carriage bolts that were like three feet long that my kids were sword fighting with as I was trying (laughs) to look for like this tiny machine screw. And they also have a lot of machine screws which like hold in uh, on bikes, old old vintage bikes, they hold in a lot of stuff like headlamp rings and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Like it's not, it's not like a coarse threaded screw. It's it's there's like like a lot of fine thread machine screws. And so Home Depot, none of that stuff. No, they don't like... And as much as like Home Depot has a lot of good stuff, they if you're doing something where you need machine thread screws, not wood screws, yeah, you need to support like Home Depot or uh, True Value, yeah, and go to those places. And I'm sure that any home improvement store, like if you're going to go to Home Depot, you could buy that the huge foam to cut a seat out of, or to yeah. you know to make a cafe racer tail out of, or even to buy like I, I, I bought the last thing I got there. I think was like a gallon of. 
uh, acetone for like cleaning up fiberglass and shit. Like if you're going to, they do have good stuff in bulk that you could definitely use the expanding foam that we were talking about for Mm -hmm. making a seat pan. Like there's stuff that you can get there that you can't go to Walmart or something like that for, although I'm, I haven't been to a Walmart for a hundred years. They might actually, I don't, Walmart might have this incredible like (laughs) home improvement section. I have no idea, but, uh, if you're going to go to someplace, I agree with Chris, like any good hardware store that's worth its uh, weight in its name, whatever that means, I made up a new saying, um, is going to have all the stuff that Home Depot is going to have, plus maybe like a, a, the weird stuff that Home Depot quit carrying because it wasn't selling enough. That's the problem with big stores is that yeah. if not enough stuff sells, they drop it. You yeah. know, And these little stores, they're not about the overhead yet. So... Uh, I totally agree on that. Any other, uh, I quickly, we're getting on a, an hour and a half here, but any any other thing, any place that you can think of that you get bike parts from, I'm going to say, I, I said I'm going to say that a couple things last. JC Whitney was one, and I'm going to say Amazon is probably like the least, if you're going to buy maybe gear, you might be able to go to Amazon because a lot of people distribute through Amazon, but as far as hard parts, unless your bike is a bicycle, I have looked up stuff. I haven't looked enough to know. Yeah, I've looked up some stuff, and it's ter- It's like scooters. Whenever you put in like throttle or something, uh, scooter stuff. Yeah. So, Amazon's not really a motorcycle Mm-mm. place, and you might be able to find grips, and you might be able to find maybe throttle cables or something, but you're not going to be able to find anything aside from gear. I mean, you could, there's a lot of stores that distribute their. Uh, like general, I wonder. I don't know if they have like tires and stuff, but you're not going to be able to find like a part for a Honda or a part for a Ducati. Nope. So, especially the more vintage you go, the less out of, oh, yeah. out of luck you're going to be. Um, and that's where places like you know uh, Flanders is going to come in because you could build your own stuff. Sudco is going to come in because they're like making new parts for old bikes. Like that. That's one thing I like about these places and, and uh, Motion Pro too. Um, Amazon does have motorcycle tires though. Do they? Okay, yeah. I mean, at actually a pretty decent price. Yeah. One thing about Amazon, and this is like a weird thing. The Misfits did a thing, though, where you don't know how long those tires have been sitting on the shelf. Right. But I, I, you're not going to know at a dealership either because you don't know how long it's sat at a drag specialties warehouse. Yeah. So, the only, the, your best chance is to look at the date on the side of the tire. Yeah, but... You're a lot of times like if you go to a dealership and you're like, hey, I want to get these tires. You're not gonna be like, hey, could I look at those tires before you put them on? Yeah. So yeah, that's true. I mean, I, I do my own tires for that reason, but if you can't, but if you even if you do your own tires, like you're gonna buy them and get them home and then look at the date, or even yeah. if you like, like I buy them through my work, so I get them direct from Tucker Rocky, and like they're there. Those are the tires I got. Yeah, like, there you I'm go. Not that's- sending them back going, hey, could you send me ones with a newer date stamp? There's another distributor that I totally forgot about. It's Tucker Rocky and Motorsport USA, I believe. Yeah. Uh, Bike Bandit is another one, and uh, but they're kind of like to me, Bike Bandit, kind of like an online realtor, yeah, like distributor though. So that's probably good for the general customer. Yeah, you can find a lot of stuff, replacement stuff on there that's good, but you're not. I don't think you're gonna find like a lot of customizing stuff on there. but yeah, I agree. I guess yeah, Amazon I just I haven't found a lot of luck except for gear. And I and yeah. I almost I almost a few months ago actually I was going to do this thing where I buy the base bottom 
I think they were $59 for a full face helmet with the flip down just to see how crappy it was so I could like compare it for people on air because you can, they got crazy stuff on Amazon because they're coming from, they have such leverage across the world. People yeah. want to be on there that you're going to get stuff from all over the world. And that might be some really crappy, dangerous, non-dot stuff. I mean, Amazon is so huge that I don't think they have the capability to check out the uh, viability or not the viability, the um, like the credentials of every single seller. I, I don't there. even know if they even know. Yeah, you know they're they're, probably, they're getting it from a warehouse to a warehouse. Yeah. You know what I mean? So when it's all to them, it's all algorithms and selling stuff. Like they don't know whether that helmet's good or not. Yeah, it's all customer reviews anyway. So if a customer's like, oh yeah, this fifty dollar helmet's good. You know, they're not going to give it a bad review after they die in it. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> it's a little harder to do. It's possible, yeah. but it's way harder. You know, I gave this helmet a good review six months ago, but uh, then I crashed in mm-hmm. it and uh, it fell apart. Yeah. And I'm coming to you via Ouija board now. Yeah. Um, a funny helmet story. Liza was telling me that she's got this super expensive, like $800 AGV. Like, I don't know if it's a Valentino Rossi replica or something, but she's like, that's the one I never wear. I keep it on my shelf and I wear my $11 like Walmart helmet. Yeah. Around. She said she had like a built helmet. Yeah. And I get it though. Like it's hard. It's, it's definitely hard, but it's like, yeah, it, she's got like a, a scorpion that I don't think she wears that much. She's got that AGV and then she's got like the bill and then she's even got like some Chinese one off of Amazon or yeah. eBay that she said is like $11. What like, I did, Dude. so I wear small helmets. So for me, it was a benefit. I would get on Craigslist mm. and I would look up like a Rise and Showies and I bought, I had an icon then too, a carbon icon. So I would buy these helmets that were like, someone's ex-girlfriends. Yeah. So it had been worn like three times and it was like a chick in it anyway. Yeah. So I bought like my, my showy and my, I bought two arrives at once. I paid a hundred bucks for each of them. Oh dang. A hundred dollars for like a $600 arrive. Yeah. I think I paid three or something for my icon, but it was like a $600 icon and it was brand new, like in the box, but it's a small, so it's really hard to sell. Yeah. Like someone had bought it and it was too small or whatever the deal was. Yeah. And like, I'm like, it fit me perfect. Yeah. Um, I wear small too. And I, I find that you get closeout deals for awesome prices. Yeah. And for me, for like jackets and stuff, small, depending on the brand, is a little small, even on me, but I could still fit. Like my Alpine Stars is small. And I can't like raise my hand up without you see my belly button, but I don't ride with my hands up in the air <laughs> yeah. most of the time on my bike. So my jackets, I don't wear small. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just helmets. Uh, yeah, like I'm I'm smaller, medium in jacket, so that means that I can get away with like those are the last ones to get. So, uh, same but even thing. too, like with motorcycle jackets and stuff, like if you're wanting to buy gear. I would say check Craigslist mm-hmm. because the downside with eBay is uh, if you're buying used, you're not going to see it ahead of time. But yeah. I bought an Icon jacket that I wore for years off Craigslist. And it was, I actually, I still really like the fit and the leather they used. Um, the design is a little older, you know, and I don't know, like now I, I'm sponsored, so I get like rad icon stuff. But yeah, I really like this jacket, like how it's put together for a Harley. Like it had the protection of a sport bike jacket, but it fit kind of relaxed and it was pretty hefty and really nice. But it's like if someone hasn't been down in it, it's still good. And a lot of people like leather jackets that don't look 
brand new, especially like if you're on Harleys and stuff like that, like you want a jacket that has a little bit of wear and a little bit of just like kind of weather to it, you know? So I think to me, that was a good, uh, like a good start or a good find, but you know, look around for that kind of stuff and you'll find people like my Alpine star leathers that I wear on the track were both Craigslist finds and I bought them separate from separate people. I bought the jacket from one person and the pants from another. They're both Alpine stars. So they zip together. Um, and that was like the deal. Like when I wanted a set of zip together leathers and at the time I bought it, I was not an icons writer, but icon also doesn't make like full leathers for the track. So, um, they're working on it and I'm supposed to go try some on soon. But anyway, so that was how I like I got those. I, I shopped around and I found them pretty well brand new. Um, and because like even now, like yeah, I wear them on the track, but I don't wear them that often. It's not like you're in them every day. Um, you don't wear them to bed anymore. No, that was just to get get them fitting my body. <laughs> What's it's called uh, breaking? I don't. What else do you want to cover? I want to cover this uh, this twisted road thing a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so basically if you need a place to look for bikes and you don't know, or, or parts and supplies, um, of course, eBay is the old go-to, but any of that stuff we listed, we listed God about 25, 30 things on here. I will put show notes, uh, all the names in the show notes. And if I can find links, I will find them and stick them in there. But I think we gave you a pretty good list of supplies, parts, new and old. And I would actually say for old bikes, a very difficult place, especially for old Japanese bikes, but even old Harleys, your local dealers are not necessarily very good. <laughs> because, I mean... I was laughing maybe I was going to go, yeah, you know what? No, There's a couple no they're bad. <laughs> so, I mean, maybe it's... Dude, I went to Malcolm Smith one time and I needed a spacer for my CRF 450. He's like, oh, it's different. We don't have that one for that year. And I'm like, well, what about one for the year after? And he's like, oh, it's a different part, different part. I went down the street and bought the one for the different year and it fit perfect. Oh, man. From another dealer? Uh, another yeah, dealership? just another dealership. Hmm. And it was like the problem with a lot of motorcycle dealerships these days, besides the fact that a lot of the parts people probably make minimum wage, there are these like young kids that ride dirt bikes and that is it. So like, yeah, bro, what can I get you? You need something for your, oh, that bike was made before I was born. And yeah. I'm like, I get it, man. I, I, I do. And I, I know, you know, I've, I've worked in retail at a young age and, and you're passionate about certain things and not everything. I get that, but there's, they've lost, like when I was a kid, like the parts counter at my local dealership, there were these two old dudes that knew everything they had. I will say, though, if you're in the Southern California area, La Habra, La Barden Underwood Honda in La Habra, this little teeny dealer off Imperial Highway and Euclid, or in between Harbor and Euclid on Imperial Highway. Last time I was in there, the dude that used to work there wasn't there, but and they've like kind of updated it, so I feel like it's not as good as it used to be, but they had these couple like older guys that worked the parts counter that were good and knew their shit and could find you old parts off old bikes. Hmm. Um, where a lot of the new, like, dude, the new kids don't even know what a microfish is anymore. <laughs> yeah, they're like, what? Is that like a little tiny <laughs> yeah. ocean animal? So um, 
you know, or if you know guys like if you're in Ohio and you go to Cleveland Moto, oh, those yeah, guys absolutely. probably have a part in their garage at home, right? <laughs> Especially if yeah, it's a if PC you can AMD. find like a local shop like that that is owned and operated by a motorcycle nerd, those people will either if they don't know, they will find out because they're passionate about motorcycles. Mm-hmm. They're not passionate about only motocross or only sport bike track stuff or whatever. Like they love motorcycles like right. a crackhead likes crack. Right. <laughs> and like Lance Pear loves his <laughs> Triumph Thunderbird. I Yeah, I went to Temple City Motorsports. I usually go there for stuff, oil and, and uh, you know, chain lube and stuff like that. And I used to go there uh, for like brake levers and like little weird stuff like that. And I know and turn signals, and I noticed that even them, they're doing the Home Depot thing where I don't know if it's a sign of the time or if it's really a, like a barometer of where the motorcycle industry is heading, like everybody, the doom and gloom that everybody's saying it is. But it seems like they're having to scale back. They can't carry all the stuff that they used to because only a lot of dirt bikers and a lot of sport bikers are coming in there. So yeah. you, you've seen their stuff go down to we got Motion Pro mostly motion pro stuff. Now they used to carry all sorts of stuff, but now it's like motion pro brake levers. And you'll see that a lot of it fits CRFs or YZs. Yeah. And probably that's probably, if you look at sales, that's probably what the majority of dirt bikes that are selling. And then also sport bike, they have like Ninja and CBR, like, like the most predominant, sport bike stuff that's selling and they don't have a lot they've kind of paired back on the other stuff and a lot of them are sticking to pretty modern stuff so your older stuff's hard Um, like 90s is old now like well and yeah I mean it really early early 2000s 2000s is is old old, you know like um I had and it's been a while but I was on a CBR 929 riding across country and my axle nut fell off and we like got it held together rode like 20 miles down the street to a local dealer in the middle of Utah and the dealership dealt in dirt bikes and four wheelers. Luckily, the dude behind the counter was super cool. And he's like, dude, we don't have that part. And I thought for a second and I go, hey, you know what? I said, my CRF 450 Supermoto, the tools I use are the same. Like the, I use the tool pack out of my 929 because it all fits the axle and all that. It's like, could I check an axle block and a nut off of a CRF 450? And it's a different part number. Like Honda does not yeah. like to use the same part numbers, and it's a huge pain in the ass for your customers. Yeah, because it's like, okay, so that dealership thought it didn't have the part, but it pulls out one off a of CRF four fifty, fit right on. Axle yeah. block was exactly the same, and it was only because I had both bikes at home that I knew they looked yeah. similar. Yeah, and they were identical parts. Yeah, you know what? Maybe uh, a. Regan's top tip of the day, go around right now and if you have more than one bike, see what bolts <laughs> yeah, are the right. same. You'll know, if, you'll know, hey, I crashed my Suzuki, but I can go to a Yamaha dealer and get the same size. Yeah. You know what? Honda is great for cross-referencing that stuff, but if it's even like one millimeter different or a manu- yeah. or a different manufacturer, it won't show up in their system as the same yeah. part number. So yeah, that could be... They just, they don't. It could have been, yeah. The 451 could be one millimeter thinner. And yeah. Like totally different. Diff, totally different part number, yeah. Um, so check it out. Also, you know, ask around, join a club. Uh, do do that if you need some some friends and to buy you, parts from. So if you also, I, I one more thing, because, you know, we need to make our show longer. <laughs> <laughs> if you, um, if you're redoing an old bike and 
even if you're my age, like I'm not young. I'm a few months away from 35, but dude, I have, oh my God, grandpa, I have a <laughs> I'm 19, 135. I have a 1982 CBX and I got on the CBX forum and all the old dudes on there were like, Oh, I'll give you that for free. I'll yeah. send you that because Booyah. to me or like to them, I'm young, right? Like to a guy that remembers when the CBX came out, and was like able to ride at that time, he's retiring now. Yeah. <laughs> and and they're looking at like someone younger that's like, oh, you know what this bike is and you have one and you want it to run right. They're like, they want to give their parts collection to someone that will appreciate yeah. it and use it. So if they have something that you can use, nine times out of 10, they will send it to you for free. Yeah. The other one guy will want gold for it. It'll be yeah. like, <laughs> oh, that You're, nut, that yeah. you can't get that. That I'll charge you three hundred dollars. Yeah. And it's like, dude, what is wrong with you? Yeah. But You're pretty proud of that nut. Yeah. Dude. If you check out the forums, and I hate forums. There's so much crazy, insane, bad information. Yeah. Or you're just filing through people that don't know until you find the one guy that does. Yeah. And then you're not sure. Or the guy that thinks he knows, but he really doesn't. And it's like, you don't know, you don't know. So, but I, I did, I've had good luck on those, like having that old bike and getting on a forum with an old bike, like full of old guys. My 46 Plymouth was the same way. Like yeah. I got on the super shitty Plymouth forum. Like it looks like it was designed in the eighties, <laughs> but, um, the guys were super helpful because I was younger and it was like, I was carrying on that vehicle that they're so passionate about. Right. Um, if so, you're if you're into fitness, you'll be familiar with the term bro science. And I feel like 90% of forums are just that. Like dudes oh, telling yeah. you anecdotally what works, not what they really not what yeah, that they one don't guy, know, yeah. but they think they know. And then the forum sensei will come on and he knows like everything. And he's kind of quiet about it, but if <laughs> yeah, you pick right? his brain, yeah, he's yeah. the guy that'll end up telling you everything. So yeah, forums. I'll I'll leave a list of all this stuff in the show notes. Let's get on to uh Wiggins has a special segment here. I I found this today actually, and I thought uh, it would be pretty interesting. So, I guess they're going to call it, and it came from Motorcyclist uh, Magazine, uh, Bonnier Corporation, which is like Motorcyclist. A- every motorcycle magazine. Yeah, pretty, pretty much. much. My buddy Ed Subius, that's his ultimate boss yeah. or corporate, whatever. But anyway, so they're calling it, I think, right now, Twisted Road. And they say it's sort of like an Uber for motorcyclists. I think it's more like an Airbnb for motorcyclists, but it's basically a motorcycle rental thing that you can go to a different town and you can be on either side of this. That's why I call it more of like an Airbnb. Um, You can go to a different town or your local town if you want, and you can basically rent a bike from someone and take it out for the day. And they were, the prices they were giving were somewhere around like the hundred bucks a day. That's not too bad. You have to like Eagle Rider or some other stuff I've seen. Yeah. And the the owner of the motorcycle gets seventy percent, and it was like hundred hundred twenty five. It probably depends on the value of the bike. I'm sure that they they give you some you know thing, and but anyway, so you get like seventy percent of that, and then um, the the person riding the bike obviously is paying that fee, and they have to provide that they have insurance. And the way the article was worded, that would mean you own your own motorcycle. Right. So you would, I have insurance on this bike because if you have insurance, like I have, like we'll use my Ducati, I have insurance on that. And if I wanted to rent 
Turdman's Spamala, I would come in and go, look, I have insurance on this Ducati. And if I were to crash Spamala, my insurance could still cover Spamala, right. even though I don't have Spamala insured. I have my bike insured, but it's it's still kind it's of It's kind of like covers. if you crash someone else's car, it kind yeah. of works the same way. Right, exactly. You've got liability insurance. Yeah, so there's that is still there. So that you had to prove. And then the Twisted Road itself actually has a $15,000 insurance um, like package for your bike. And that is supposed to be like, if their insurance doesn't cover or doesn't cover all of it, it'll cover up to 15,000. So right. you're it's kind of like rental car insurance or limited liability. Insurance. Yeah. And you know, I'd pay another 20 bucks to get the extra insurance <laughs> if right. it was available, you know, maybe Eagle Riders has that. No one else does. I mean, so you're not going to go rent a, a brand new, uh, twelve ninety nine super Gallardo, whatever, like, no. or a Desmo Sedici, or what else costs more than that, or a brand new Harley Bagger yeah. CVO. I was gonna say, uh, uh but Road Glide Special or something. But you might be able to rent a couple year old Dyna or a couple year old Softail or even a, a few year old Bagger, um, or like my old Duck, you know. So it is cool. Like I'm a person that likes to ride different motorcycles as much as possible. So that's kind of cool. And what they said, they kind of contradicted themselves. Cause first they were like, it might be a good way for that, like millennial that and that motorcycle rider that doesn't want to own a motorcycle to go ride motorcycles. And I kind of agreed with that. And then they were like, but then you have to show an insurance plan that you have insurance, which means you would have to own your own bike. And you have to have a motorcycle endorsement. Yes, you have to have that anyway. So you're not going to go take the extra time to go down at the DMV and take a test and a written test in order to get that a if lot you're of people not in riding. Though. Oh, really? You think, a lot of people really? get their motorcycle license who don't own a bike. They right. They want to learn how to ride. But they're into motorcycling. It's not just going to be some random millennial. I know people that get it just to as like an accomplishment, like a scuba huh. diving license. Like I went and got my scuba, scuba diving certificate, diving and I've never been since. I have a license to kill, but no scuba diver license. <laughs> um, so well, okay, yeah. To fair play is uh, that's not impossible, right? Um, and you know, and how many people like maybe they they had a motorcycle, so they had their license, and then they moved to downtown LA or something, and now they don't, right? Or they went to a couple semesters to college, and yeah. they had a scooter. Yeah, for getting around. So, I mean, there's definitely like that side of it. Although, listening to they also have a lame tramp stamp and a, <laughs> a naughty sex story they don't want to tell anybody, but they also have that ultra important motorcycle endorsement. So, you might be able to look it up. It was called Twisted Road. Is sort of like Uber for motorcyclists. Uber for motorcyclists would be where someone comes and picks you up and then you ride. Yeah, you know they 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 would basically a motorcycle taxi. That doesn't kinda, make sense. I'm kind of down for that service too, though. Yeah, Airbnb. As long does as you're make a big burly sense. dude with a beard, you can <laughs> hop on my back anytime. Smokey the Bear coming in um, on his bitch stick. Yeah, it was a peer to peer service, which to me was more like Airbnb. That's Airbnb. But uh, whatever, I didn't write the article. Yeah, you should have, and uh, they wouldn't have made then, such an egregious the, mistake. The title would be better, and everything else would be God, horrible. I know. Look at that long title. You know, when you're looking this up, the URL is usually the title too. <laughs> what type of person is going to type in all that? Uh, I have to say, this kind of goes hand in hand. Do you remember what we talked about? Uh, I believe it was 
Porsche, and I don't remember the name of the stinking. Yeah, we, we were talking about that. It plan was like where a you subscription. Could, yeah, for Porsche. yeah. And that's what I was gonna say. I was listening to Girl on a Moto, and I don't remember what episode. Um, she's only got like six or seven, five. <laughs> and um, she had someone on, and they got started, and maybe even still currently, they had like a subscription to Eagle Rider. And I didn't look in. I think I, that was her latest. Uh, Jesse Hallett, maybe is who that maybe, is. Maybe, yeah, because she doesn't ride. I don't think she got Eagle Rider. She did Eagle Rider to go. Well, she doesn't have a bike, but she right. got Eagle but Rider she to rides. ride around. Yeah, so she doesn't waste you time spend, on her. Yeah, own and the way she did it, it was interesting. She spent like so much money a month, and she gets like a free day a month points. Yeah, and yeah, like you accumulate points, and you get your birthday free. So it was like it was kind of cool. But I don't know, like, you still pay, like, it's not like you can hop on it every single day. Like, you're going to pay more if you use it more. So we would have to look more into that to get more detail. And that wasn't the point of this episode or this segment. <laughs> but I, the like point where, was, I like where this is going. Keep going with this, Chris. <laughs> the point was the peer-to-peer service. So it's interesting that they're trying it. Um, you know, if you're interested, look it up a little bit. Um, I'm not totally against it. Like, if there were insurance covered it and uh, the old pavement pounder duck, I could loan her out. You know, it. it why not? You know, if I'm making enough money off of it to where I can throw new tires on it before I go to the track type stuff. Yeah, you know, it might be good. Uh, that's the thing with the the other side of it was that you would have to be responsible for all of the maintenance and all that yeah. stuff to keep it safe and roadworthy. And hell, if somebody's renting renting it and you couldn't afford to do that before. And now you can. You. Yeah, there yeah. you go. Booyah. Um, and you might be able some... to commute on it Monday through Friday and then rent it out Saturday and Sunday. There you go. And then take it to the dealership once a month because it's getting a lot of miles on it. <laughs> right. But, you know, same, I don't know, just kind of a. Yeah, I dig it. I dig that. That's a good idea. I mean, you know, maybe it'll fail miserably, but at least someone's trying and it, it's cool. And I think in today's world, like, people are wanting that experience and they're wanting like the whole peer to peer thing is working. Cause in Eagle Riders, I think is still very successful not to dig on them. It, to me, it's more like the hotel Airbnb experience. Like I went all around Europe a couple years ago and didn't stay in a single hotel. We stayed in Airbnbs the whole time and it was great. Like you're in people's homes with a view. Dude, I stayed in a house in I never remember the name of the town, but outside of Stonehenge, the place we stayed was built in the 14 or 1500s. Like it was built before the United States existed. Yeah. It was built before the pilgrims came here. Like that's before even some of the countries in Europe existed. Yeah. So, I mean, and it was a super rad old, and it had been updated a little bit. Like that was the middle of the Renaissance, right? It didn't have, yeah, it didn't have dirt floors, but it was one of those like traditional English homes that like, I watched a little thing on this, like why they stuck out further on the top than they did on the level below. Um, it, it did all that. Like it was like that white, whatever lime, like a lime wash yeah, or something with weird, like the crazy big wood, yeah, like pillars in it that were almost like railroad ties. Although yeah. obviously there was no railroad then, so it was like, so it was like maybe there was alien technology. <laughs> it was like a five or six hundred like year timber, old. Home. It was a timber and mortar, yeah, sto- a house. That's yeah. pretty cool. So rat, and it's just like I can't stay in a hotel because that's that old because they didn't. Exists yeah. that I know of. Yeah. So I, I mean, I mean, there, there was the, uh, gosh, when I was born in the <laughs> 1600s, couple, a couple hundred years later, but there was the old Boar's Head, which was a brothel upstairs and a tavern below. But there were 
ins, so to speak. <laughs> Mostly outs, but ins. Yeah, no, that's uh you get to you get to do what you did, which is stay at a different place, but you get to do that on two wheels and you might be influenced to buy a certain type of bike. Like I made this terrible choice buying this Rocket 3 and I should have instead bought like a FZ or an FJ09 or something like that. It's a triple. And, and I think uh, it's cool. Like there's way, so way many, sexier than a Rocket 3. <laughs> there's so many random motorcycles out there that you could take a spin on for a day um, that's not a brand new whatever Eagle Rider. Okay. I don't really know anyone else that does rental service besides Eagle Rider. Yeah, I, and there's a couple. I feel bad because- And I right do off, know they're not only Harleys, but- yeah. And there's a there's like a, a maybe a handful that do it, and I, I feel so bad that I can't remember them right off the top of my head because there's even one down in San Diego. But God, what an experience to crash someone else's bike for once yeah, instead right? of my own. <sighs> God, but Matt. it's cool like having the insurance, you know, you providing and the service providing too. So yeah, I mean like obviously, and it even said like as a renter, you know, you owning the bike and renting it to someone else. You could get like their accident records and some other stuff through the DMV. Like this place is linking up with. Wow. And maybe it wasn't like linked up with the DMV. Is this and is this existing or is this uh, it, is this like a something that's coming on board it right says now? A new online peer to peer service. So it's and it exists. Users, yeah, it's extant. Wow. This is just like that uh, part uh, in in um, Jurassic. It was Park. only a matter of time before the motorcycle service would gain traction. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure Uber was around a while before people became before it became a household name. Yeah, and uh, yeah, this is definitely what's it called again? Twisted Road. Twisted Road. So the naming person was horrible. But yes, and the person that wrote this article is pretty horrible. But I have to say, I can't think of a better name out of the top of my head. I can. Twisted Bro. <laughs> okay, so I can't. Twisted but, Road covers up to 15%. Uh, listers can review potential renters' ride history before tossing them the keys. Yeah. That would be essential. So as a renter, I wonder if you can like set up like a resume, um, and then if you lay someone's bike down, they're like, hey, this dude crashed my bike, like, yeah. and then it's in there. Since I've never crashed on the street, I'd be legit. I'd be I'd be in. Yeah, I've been good yeah. on the street, luckily. Yeah. Bing, bing. How much real wood is this? This is particle board. Knock oh. on particle wood. Yep. Knock on cheap laminate. Uh, yeah, no, that would be that would be something cool. Now, I don't know if anybody, you know, given the chance to ride like your Dyna or your Duck or even your take your Speedway bike down to 7-Eleven like we always <laughs> say we should do. Uh my bike, I could probably get about six dollars for a ride on. <laughs> like it's such a hunky hunk of crap. So that's the other thing. Maybe it's like a novelty bike. There you go. If you've got like an old SR two fifty or a Triumph Rocket three, you're not gonna get very good offers for. Yeah. You, you maybe maybe want to skip this. But if you got like a really cool bike, uh, and of course baggers stuff that people are gonna be flying in and they want to tour the and that area was the thing too. Yeah, if you were, I don't know if it's only in the states now or what, but you know if you're traveling somewhere and you want to ride a motorcycle, as many of us do, like I. I love seeing new places on a motorcycle. Yeah. So why not fly into somewhere, yeah. rent a bike from someone and take it out? And yeah, I, I just think that would be a pretty cool idea. So like even personally, like I want to look into this more. Yeah. Despite the fact that it's been raining like crazy for the last two days, I guarantee that somebody in Minnesota would be like, dude, I just want to get out of here. Yeah. Let's go, let's fly into LA or San Diego where it hasn't been raining for two days and rent a bagger 
pack all of our luggage into the bags and whatnot, or like a Victory Vision or any of those ones that had some really huge saddlebags. That's what I'm thinking. If you have a bag or you're, this is like, you know, there's Eagle Rider, but then there's this. Like, this is a. I feel like the bagger side of it, where they're going to lose out is the generation mm-hmm. gap. I think that generation, I mean, like, my generation is like the in the middle generation with the Harleys. Like we want to do wheelies on Dinas and wheelies on baggers. Yeah. <laughs> and so like the baggers are still there and we still riding them. But, um, I think in general, most people that are going to fly somewhere and want to rent a bagger, like they're the type of person like who is going to call and book an appointment with Eagle Rider. Yeah. It's like the younger mid 20 something that's going to go somewhere who wants to rent and they don't want to rent a big bagger. They want to rent a Triumph Bonneville, I think would be a hot rental bike. That's what I'm picturing. Most people, <laughs> I have this Thruxton and yeah, or an iron eight eighty three. Like those are your hot rentals. Like, yeah, the, and it has to have a Brown seat. Like that's one of the check marks for the customer to look at. It's like has Brown seat. That's an seat. extra fee. Yeah. Has, if you want me to put the Brown seat on, that's a $15 yeah. charge. Has missing there. Like there's check boxes. Has rear fender. Doesn't have like, doesn't have rear fender. Uh, cafe. Very uncomfortable. Yes. <laughs> Only 900 CCs or under tick tick. Yeah. Yeah. I could see, I could see the generation that this, that your side, maybe you should make your own niche, uh, company and cater to that side of it <laughs> but we are rolling up here on two hours we made it my friend we roasted oh, some man. bikes we said some thanks we gave you lots of information i can't as, believe we talked for two hours again dude i'm so glad because an hour and a half i was like oh we're not going to make it our normal two hours <laughs> stupid me if they only knew that we sit here and talk for a half an hour uh, after and, the uh, yeah done. and before and we set up for uh, half an hour before. Uh, but yeah, I did want to say thank you so much to Lance for letting us roast your triumph. We're just kidding. This comes from a place of love, you know, I mean, I still won't ever buy one, yeah. but I'm just kidding. I'm still not <laughs> kidding that we're, that we're kidding, but at the yeah. same time, this is with love. This isn't with, with hate that we tell you, uh, to ditch that rocket through. Can't wait to see your CB 750 up and running. <laughs> um, the Ask Wiggins Hooligan, you know, 2020 platform. I'm going to help Wiggins develop a plan. I'm going to be his chief strategist, and I'm going to create like a <laughs> fake, crazy uh, news outlet so we can we can rant and rave on the flat track uh, topic. Um, thank you for all the emails, all the mug sales, and uh, a final shout out to some Instagram accounts that we've been following that we possibly like. I can tell Wiggins oh, is ready to go. I'm not, <laughs> but I, I did. I thought of one earlier. So I'm going to go with it. And I, I, I've talked about it on the show. I don't know if I've actually just done the, the Instagram one, but. Um, you want me to go first? I can go first. It okay. doesn't matter. You go, you go first. I always go first. So I'm going to let you go first. Today. So I'm going to go with Church of Choppers. And he's part of FTW Co. So all the rad FT. He's actually like the artist part of it, too. So. Um, Did we mention him already? We may have, but there's a reason that I'm mentioning him again. So it's C-H-V-R-C-H. And uh, Jeff Wright, Church of Choppers, he's, like I said, he's the artistic guy behind FTW Co., all the shirts. And on the FTW Co. side with the shirts, like one thing that I like and hopefully our listeners like is if you like Harleys, he's got shirts for you. If you like sport bikes, he's got shirts for you. If you like motocross, he's got shirts for you. Um, I don't know if he has trials, but I hope he makes this shirt. It's got this rad hand. 
and it's twisting a throttle and it says pilot needle main yeah on like where the throttle position is and what part of the carb is working that's whose account i saw oh, that on. i love it but the reason that i bring it up again is recently he's been posting photos of a moto guzzy build and we've talked on the show about my soft spot for guzzies and i think the reason is my dad told me one time he had a soft spot for guzzies he and was talking about scuzzy guzzies which is what they used to call back in he probably has a soft spot for those too <laughs> but uh my dad is into crack motorcycles like i am uh, just like stupid like i have 20 dollars and there's a 19 dollar motorcycle let's go buy it yeah so church has been building one thing i really like about church dude he builds some of the sickest harleys i've ever seen and some of the sickest sport bikes i've ever seen and he has no limit like he doesn't he, ftw co in general doesn't give a fuck like they ride motorcycles end of story don't don't tell them harley don't tell them honda don't like they're like older dudes they both have sport bikes they both have harleys they both have dinas they both have choppers it's awesome but anyway so he's building this badass little moto guzzy and it will be at the one show next month in portland oregon so um that's why I bring it up again. So if you're going up to Portland, motorcycles and misfits, check out the Guzzy. The tank right now is like a bright yellow with a little cafe tail. Dude, he built like a swing arm. It's gonna have a rad race fit exhaust because everything he does has it. It's got flat slide FCR carbs, and uh I don't know what else he's doing. I mean, it'll being that it's church, something will probably have a hundred holes drilled in it. But uh yeah, I mean that that's why I wanted to bring him up was yeah, the bike is debuting next month at the one show. And if you're a motorcyclist that hates not I don't want to say hates Harley guys, but hates the the brand restricted guys, then you will like church and his stuff. Like, dude, he built a bike for Born Free a couple of years ago and he built a KZ one thousand. And I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure he built a KZ one thousand because Born Free is a Harley show. Yeah. And if it would have been a like a a Japanese bike show, he would have built a Harley. Right. <laughs> like he's just like, oh, you want me to not? Okay. I'm, that's what I'm gonna do. So um Yeah, this bike looks rad. Yeah, check out God. the IG. Spent like, dude, get on FTW Co's website and buy hats i have an awesome hat on right now t-shirts hoodies like no joke he's got some of the raddest artwork stuff out there and by buying ftw co gear you are helping support racers like myself and jeffrey carver so uh Rad. there's definitely that side of it but yeah dude that guzzy's bad yeah. one of the coolest bikes i've ever seen he did a, a zx10 a few years ago and you looked at it and it had this like retro 70s fairing with this cool like retro looking number two painted on it. And it had this cool little retro looking tail section. But when and when he was on the so when he's on the bike, like you're like, oh, man, what is that thing? Like it's this old, old it was green. So you're thinking it's a cowie, but you're like, oh, what is it? And when he gets off of it, you see the gas tank in the frame and you're like, it's a bone stock ZX-10 <laughs> with this bitchin' little cool fairing and tail on it. So and he, his, he stripped it apart and then just built yeah, up from the yeah, skeleton. And the whole idea was I can get on it, I can turn the key on, and I can have a ZX10 that rides yeah. like a ZX10. But it looks like this awesome retro race bike. Right. And like I really get stoked out about bikes like that because I don't care who you are. There's nothing cool like 
as much as we're backing on a, a Triumph Rocket 3, you can ride it. And you can have a bike that looks super cool. If you can't ride it, what's the point? Like, you don't... Yeah. What, it's not... This, this thing looks so... This goodsy. I mean, everything is bespoke on this thing. Like, that frame is like... I th- he may have done the whole frame. Yeah, like the frame. It looks like he did the swing arm, like yeah. everything. And those, and it's a shaft drive bike. Yeah. So he did the swing arm based around, like, obviously the stock pivot and the shaft. Yeah. Man, that thing looks tight. He did this- a super bitchin' R9T a couple years ago, and he put carbs on it. And I, I got to ask him about that, too. And I was kind of like, why would you put carbs on this bitchin' fuel-injected bike? But he, you know, it had this huge wiring harness and he wanted to get rid of the wiring harness. He also put carbon wheels on it and painted like the German flag kind of on the tank and stuff. It it was one of the sickest R9Ts out. I I mean, it's just, and that's like, that's what, from a, a fan perspective or, we know, from looking at builders, like, again, I feel like our show is pretty general for motorcycles. So if you're a motorcycle fan, he is probably the best builder out there. Yeah, I remember when the R9T prototype came out and they hadn't named it anything yet. They just said that we're going to have this. It wasn't the R9T that we know today and it was more kind of like that, but it was even more minimalist than that, but it had that vibe. Like that is such a rad build. But then choppers? Yeah. <laughs> Dude, that looks <laughs> I mean, I, I name another builder out there that builds Choppers, street bikes, European. Yeah, cafe well, and racers. FTW Co. has always just been bikes. Like, yeah, always. Um, so uh, I think I'm gonna jump in here and uh, go with my Instagram pick of the week, which literally is a random Instagram pick of the week. I just found her today or yesterday uh, perusing someone else's site, and it's Kill Switch Queen, all one word, no underscores, anything like that. And she's a service rider and a wrench at the Vintage Monkey. And she, her, one of her taglines here is the maker of Mad Max Wasteland Machines. And that's what drew me to her because if you've seen my KZ out there in the garage, it looks like something off the set of Mad Max or Walking Dead. Uh, and her bikes just look awesome. And then I saw some of the stuff that she's doing for them. Oh, they uh, look very Mad Maxy. Yeah. And then I saw some stuff that she has done in the past. And I saw her uh, was going through some of her old pics, and you could see the transformation from like running bike to crazy. You know what it what it later became with with like two headlights sticking out of a fairing. Like she totally she took this bike and and. Deconstructed it. Sporty with a crazy dirt bike fender. Yeah, is that the one that has two headlights too? Uh, it just shows the front end. It actually looks like the dirt bike fenders are on backwards. But and like ammo can, you know, panniers, yeah. and then like you see like a Ducati Scrambler, and then you know five pictures later you'll see this thing that you don't even recognize what it is. But yeah, so Kill Switch hmm. Queen, I was checking out her stuff just because I saw her on a random mention from somebody else. And they said, oh, I think it was Moto Lady was looking for her. And then somebody mentioned, oh, yeah, that's this is this person. And then I start looking at her stuff, and it is Mad Max Alicious. And uh, we might talk about Mad Max on another episode as we're getting into the crazy future here, <laughs> what the future holds. But um, thanks, everybody. That is a wrap. Um, a couple, just before we go, really quickly, don't forget this weekend, tomorrow, if you're listening, is the Veggie Plate Classic, January 13th out of Paris. Uh, the Women's Moto Show at Lucky Wheels Garage. 
And I just found out that there's going to be a ride up Glendora Mountain Road. If you're here in the Glendora or Azusa area, check out our Instagram feed for the details. Uh, January 26th, Happy Australia Day. Uh, February 3rd, Veg Plate Classic 2 slash Hands Shifter Boogaloo. Yeah. Uh, February 9th through 11th, the one show in Portland, Oregon. The Misfits are going to be there. Chris is going to be there. I doubt I'll be there, but you never know. Weirder and things have happened. Chopper's going to be there. Church or is going to be there. Bike. Uh, February 24th, the Art Ride with Rick James happening at Legacy Brewing. You've heard the ads from him before. Now you know. Uh, February 24th. Um, yeah, there's some really great stuff coming up next weekend or next show. Actually, I'm going to have a lot more because there's actually quite a few things happening. And now this month is like flying by. We're, we're already at, what's today, the 16th? No, today's the 12th. So we're already at the 12th. We're already almost midway through the month. And uh, that's kind of scary how fast this year is already going by. So we just started it, I thought. Isn't it? I mean... It is just the beginning of 2018. So thanks, everybody. Go buy a mug. Check us out. Leave some more ratings and reviews. Leave a bike roast if you want. And leave an Ask Wiggins, and we'll set up an email for him so you can get all your questions directly to the mind of the man himself. That's it for this week's show. Take it easy. Is that your sign-off? I already signed off. What's your (laughs) sign-off? Got me again. Oh, man. Fool me once, shame on me. Fool me twice, shame on me again. That's what George Bush got wrong and I got it wrong too. All right, we're out. I'm excited for it.